Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Heavenly Father, we come again with bowed heads and humbled hearts and contrite spirits. Thanking you again, Lord, for another day not promised to us. Lord, I'm asking that you forgive us of our sins and our iniquities and our shortcomings and our transgressions. And those things, Lord, that place a veil between you and us. Lord, I'm grateful for this time I have with my sisters in Christ that you have given us good health, Lord, and have kept us in perfect peace. And I'm asking, Lord, that you continue to do so, Lord, as we know that the mind is the stronghold that the enemy tries to hold captive and he tries to invade. And I'm asking, Lord, that we wear the helmet of salvation, that we may understand that it is all about you and you alone. What you desire for us to have, Lord, is eternal life. The good news is preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. So, Lord, this is all centered around you. I'm asking, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you bind every foul spirit, every demonic spirit, every spirit of error, every spirit of confusion, every spirit of contention, every spirit of jealousy, malice, hatred, every spirit of fear, every spirit of doubt, every spirit of unbelief, every spirit, Lord, that is not of your spirit, Lord, let it be cast down. Let it be thrown aside, Lord, and placed beneath your feet. I'm asking, Lord, for a strong presence of the Holy Ghost, Lord, as we attack today's subject. I'm asking, Lord, for the teaching spirit of the Holy Ghost, that we may be able to not utter words that don't come from you. Lord, that the words be made clear that they go from here, Lord, on to the ends of the earth. For those who don't know who you are, for those that don't know what the gospel is, Lord, I'm asking that you teach us your word, and I'm asking that you give us the words to speak. And I'm asking you, Lord, that you, that you empower every vessel, that you anoint these messages, Lord, that they will break through strongholds, whether people are in the presence of it or not. I'm asking, Lord, that the Holy Ghost fall mightily right now. I'm asking, Lord, that you will protect this ministry, Lord, and that it may grow. Lord, I pray for my sister Whitney, Lord, with what she's dealing with, having her operation. Lord, I'm asking that you take care of her. I'm asking for those who have strayed away, Lord, that they may come back strong. I'm asking, Lord, that you bring in the harvest, that you bring back the sheep, that our work not go in vain as long as we stay focused on you. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. For you are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. You are faithful, just, and true, and worthy of all praises. Lord, I'm asking that you do these things for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so tonight's study is going to be on um, a church without spot or blemish. Um, I think that we need to really understand where spots and blemishes are because a lot of people equate spots and blemishes with sin. But there's so many things that you can consider spots or blemish. Sin is definitely one of them that plagues the church of God. The other is misinformation. The other is religion. You know, another can be... Um, the church order being wrong. There could be a lot of things that causes spots and blemishes within the body of Christ. Idolatry. There could be so many different things that the Lord wants to address 
that he's going to eventually have without these things. So we have to know what it is to trust in the Lord and to know what his word says, that we may be a true church. Because if we're in error and there's things that we're doing that we shouldn't do, it only spots what God wants to have, you know. And God is going to have a church without spot or blemish, whether we be a part of it or not a part of it. And that's something we have to realize, that God will have his church. The only question that we have to ask ourselves is if we're going to be a part of it or not a part of it. So this is really important, and hopefully it'll be an in-depth study. We'll gain a lot from this. But um, as of right now, we're going to hear Melissa, a song from Melissa. Then Sarah is going to present. We are are also going to hear um, a quick clip from, from Pastor Gary Price that I think is relevant to today's subject. So we're going to get a lot done, but we're going to dive into the word and we're going to, you know, get there. Let there be an understanding of what the Lord wants and what he doesn't want and what the ecclesia is and what the true church of God is. So from here, I'm going to turn it over to Melissa and then to Sarah. And then we're going to get a little into the word and then we're going to hear something from uh, Pastor Gary Price. So, all right. So I guess we'll get going.
Totally. So um, from here, before Sarah comes up, I do want to read um, Psalm 23 real quick. So let's get to our Bibles, go to Psalm 23, and then I'm going to hand it over to Sarah because I like to begin with a psalm, you know, just to get started. I know everybody <laughs> knows this one, but the funny thing is I don't think a lot of people have a lot of understanding of it. Right. As popular as it is and... You know, as much as it gets used, you know, we have to really understand that the Lord Jesus Christ is a shepherd. The Bible refers to us many times as sheep before a shepherd. So we got to understand that he dictates what things go on. If it's not the church of Jesus Christ, then it's not the church at all. So that's something we have to have a true understanding of is that Jesus Christ governs the church of God. Psalm 23 and verse 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in the green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Restoring your soul is really funny because we don't realize as we live our daily lives the day-to-day damage that we might have done whether it's through soul ties, whether it's through sin, whether it's through pain and trauma, you know, uh, putting your trust in people and having them betray you. And I mean, all sorts of things. We don't realize how much of the world that we feed on that, you know, we actually need a restored soul. We need the Lord to take out every ounce or every bit of residue that the enemy left through our worldly carnal Mm -hmm. nature. So then it says, and in the path of righteousness for his name's sake, Very few people know what righteousness is. Mm -hmm. We all want to be right. We all want to look good. We all want to do good. But very few of us understand what righteousness is. Righteousness is the presence of God. Mm -hmm. There is no wrong in righteousness. It's not even about man's wisdom. It's either righteous or it's wrong. But that's, that's the true path that only the Lord Jesus Christ can lead us to. Verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. So we got to understand, when the Lord leads us, the Bible mentions us many times as being sheep led to the slaughter. You know, what Jesus said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. You know, Paul talks about beware of dogs and the things that they will do. So this is the Lord telling us that he leads us through the very world that hates him. He leads us through the very things that would attempt to destroy us. So when he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death, that we won't fear evil Mm -hmm. because we have Christ in us. But his rod and his staff, they comfort us. So that's something that we have to understand. Now, anyone who understands the nature of a shepherd, that rod is to crack those legs when you go the wrong way. And that staff is to keep you going the way that you're supposed to. Okay, so God is not just a God of love and direction. He's also a God that will chastise his that he loves. Now, we know this from reading um, Hebrews 12. You know, if you be without chastisement, then you are a bastard. Mm -hmm. What you'll find is most churches, they want to be bastards because they don't want correction. Mm -hmm. They think that God can only tell you good things. No, this is a book of correction. And, and many times you hear Solomon and others will talk about if you be without chastisement or the rod of correction, 
then, you know, children will go astray. They become spoiled, mm -hmm. you know, and this is what you have a generation of today for people who don't spank their children, don't want their children under headship, because the only reason that rule was made was to take people away from Jesus Christ under his dictates and his rulership. They want to raise a nation of bastards or a world of bastards that don't know what it is to be under proper headship or fatherly, you know, authority to really know what it is to have a dad. And God the Father is your father if you accept Jesus Christ. That's right. So you need the rod and the staff to be confident. Not just the staff, not just, you know, sweet words, not just hugging and caressing. You need that rod too. When you get out of line, boop, get back in line. You know, so these things are necessary, but the shepherd does this because he loves the sheep. That's right. Verse 5, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. So the Lord is not, he has no intentions on separating you from your enemies. The Lord wants to put you in the place where your enemies may lie, where you may preach the gospel. So the Lord said he'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. In other words, we're not running from anybody. We're there to do what the Lord tells us to do. We will be comforted even in the midst of war. We will have joy even in the midst of sorrow. So this is what the Lord wants to do for us. And he says, Thou anointest my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. You know, this is what we want, the anointing upon our lives, that we may be able to do everything we read from, from verse 1 to verse 6, to be able to walk in the ways of the Lord regardless of what's going on, receive his correction, and, and be at peace, because we have Christ in us in the midst of all things around us. But the cup runneth over. That means, man, your cup will be filled. Your spirit will be full of what God wants you to do. Now, remember the teaching we did on the four rivers of the Garden of Eden. The first one meant increase. The second one means bursting forth. The third one means dashing or purpose. So once you're bursting forth, you're full of the spirit, then you can't be contained. You're going to go where the spirit leads. So then comes your purpose. When your obedience is fulfilled, like 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you know, then you can go out and revenge all disobedience because we have done the things that are necessary for getting there. Okay, so after bursting forth, then what comes next? Fruitfulness. That's what the last one is. So the Lord wants us to be fruitful. We are the Lord's garden, and in us flows these rivers. But we have to have the increase of the Spirit to be able to go forward and do what is necessary. Verse 6, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because this, because David is full of Christ. He's full of the Lord. So the, the goodness and mercy is the nature of God that we will have in us when Christ has been formed in us. And he says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Why? Because you're spirit to spirit with God. Mm -hmm. Deep calleth unto deep. So there's no way to get to Jesus like Jesus says. Those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. So we have to search what's in us, what's not right for truth, to be presented before Christ. And, you know, we worship him in spirit because we're of the right spirit. So that's all I wanted to present right now. Sarah's going to present, and then uh, we're going to go to another scripture, and we'll hear a clip from Gary Price. <clears throat> Okay, so um, tonight I'm going to be presenting on 
What does it really mean to walk by faith and not by sight? And um, with this, you know, with our physical sight, we can see everything that's around us. We can see the person next to us. We can, you know, we can see just about everything. But with the physical sight is also a hindrance because it can also deter us or it can, in the carnal sense, keep us from looking at things through faith or through the Spirit because... You know, we may see our finances dwindling, <laughs> or we may see, you know. Look at one way, because it looks like you're breaking your neck to turn oh. the world. <laughs> but the physical sight, it's, you can, how do I put this? Um, if our sight was taken away from us, let's just say, for instance, if our sight, we didn't have our physical sight, then obviously we would have to rely on somebody else to help us, because there's only a certain amount of things that you can do if you don't have it. And if we use our physical sight to do what the Lord doesn't want us to do, and he's trying to pull us into the spirit, it's kind of like what happened to Samson and Samson and Delilah, because his physical sight had been taken away from him. Why? Because he wasn't using it to do the Lord's will in the first place. And on top of that, one thing that we got to look at here is, is that Samson only got his strength back to take down the two pillars that are constantly going against the true body, and that was the religious and the political system. But mm-hmm. his, his sight was never given back to him. Mm-hmm. It was just his strength. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to look at here, have everyone go to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. Oh, I'm already there. 2 Corinthians 5 and 1. We're just going to read verses 1 through 7. Five and verse one. Yeah. Yeah. And she'd have to write her name. It's in there, but I'm just going to remember. Uh, All right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to start reading. For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So. Verse 1 again, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle, which means the physical body that we're living in today, if it were to dissolve, we have a building of God and house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. So if we're believing, if we're believing the Lord for everything, and this earthly tabernacle that we are living in today, if it goes away, if we believe Christ for everything and everything that we do, it is saying that we will have another body in heaven that's not made with hands. So it's that eternal or heavenly body that we're going to get. For this we know, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with every house which is formed in heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. So in this physical body that we are living in, and it doesn't mean like literally naked, but it means having the form of God, or having you know God in us, and being clothed with His righteousness, just like He was reading in Psalms 23, verse four. For we know that in this tabernacle, for we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, 
not for that we would be unclothed, but but clothed upon that mortally might be swallowed up of life. So he's saying here as well that we're groaning in this tabernacle that we are in now to be with Christ. So we're not worried about our physical needs. We're not worried about everything that's going on in life. We're just, we're, you know, he's saying that we need to draw closer and closer to Christ in everything that we do to be more like him. Verse 5. Now he that hath wrought us for the same self thing as God, who also hath given us the earnest of the Spirit, saying he's given us the Holy Spirit. Therefore we also, we are also confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. So the physical body that we have, like I was just saying, is that it can keep us absent from Christ if we're so concerned about our everyday physical needs. If we're so concerned about you know, how am I going to pay my rent? How am I going to pay my light bill? How am I going to put gas in my car? Is this person going to like me? Is this person going to love me? If we're so worried about the carnal thinking, then we're absent from Christ in that. You know, even at work, and this is something that I've even been guilty of, and it's something I'm going to kind of bring forward at the end of it, but if we're worried about what people think of us because we have the light of Christ in us, it really is something that we have to bring to fruition is um, are we wanting to step out on faith? Like in the, the last study that we did, Render Under Caesar What is Caesar, is something that was brought forward that really stuck with me is, is that am I really ready to take that leap of faith at work and, you know, not be afraid to bring Christ forward at any cost mm -hmm. and not worried about what everything else is going to happen. Just say, all right, Lord, I know you have me here for a specific reason. If this is my last day, let it be because I bring forth Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And knowing that, you know, and that's something that I'm still, you know, kind of battling with at work is, is that um, I haven't done everything for Christ yet. I know I haven't done mm -hmm. everything for Christ yet. I'm right and, there with you. I think I struggle with that too. Yeah, um, some work depends. Yeah, and it's admitting <laughs> it. It's admitting it before the Lord and saying, "Lord, I want to be more like you. I'm not there yet. Please help me. I want to be more like you." Really stepping out on faith and doing His will and hearing from Him, you know, and everything. So it's just it's having that admittance before the Lord, mm -hmm. you know. All right, verse seven: For we walk by faith, not by sight. And then also. Real quick, I'm just going to read a couple of verses in this. Is John 24. Oh, not John 24. It was, uh, where was it at? Didn't write it down, but, uh, well, it was with, um, Doubting Thomas and, didn't write it down. I think that's. Um, I know it's John. John. Uh, that was I think it's John 20, maybe. John 20, or. Because no. this is when Jesus came back. It was when he came back, yeah. I, uh, oh, John 20. It's the latter half of John 20, yeah. John 20. Yeah, right. <laughs> John 20, verses 24 through 31. We're not going to read the whole thing, but this is when Jesus had come back the third time. 
to talk to his disciples. And the other two times, doubting our Thomas was not there. So when the, the other disciples were trying to tell him that Christ had come back, he didn't believe them. And it wasn't until Christ came back that third time that Thomas would believe. And, you know, Jesus would tell him, you know, touch the nails in my hand, you know, or put your hand where the nails were, put your hand in my side. And then Thomas was like, now I believe. But we're going to read here, verse uh, 29 through 31. Jesus, Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Okay, well, I'm just going to read that one. But what he was telling Thomas is because you see me, you believe. But there's going to be a generation that comes, the one we are living in now, that we have to have the greater faith. We really do have, because it's like we know Christ in our heart. But for me, it's like I know Christ in my heart, but there's still, I haven't gotten to that level of really showing forth his power to others yet. Why? Because there's things in my life that I'm still holding on to that I need to let go of. Mm -hmm. Really, and there's more fasting that I need to do. Lord's been really, you know, knocking on my head about that one. And there's just other things. But it's like, you know, if I know that the Lord has me at my job for one specific person, it's not to say that I haven't witnessed to others there, but if you know that there's that one specific person that you are there for, <laughs> and they are the one that is just like, Oh, man, has it really got to be for this one? <laughs> <laughs> you know that's the one that you're there for. And it, it's just, it's like, okay, Lord, I know. If this is the person that I'm here for, okay, I need the patience. I need the strength. I need the confidence. Mm -hmm. But most, you know, we do need that faith. We do need the Lord's power in my life. And it, I mean, it's just, it's really going to be something that, you know, it, it's all going to be a test. It's going to be a test for all of us. Is really just walking by faith and, you know, giving it all up for the Lord. And that's something that for me, He's really just putting in my life is to to do that. So mm -hmm. that's what I have. Yeah, awesome. Okay. All right. <laughs> um. Okay. I kind of wanted to share. Um, I don't know, the more I study my Bible, it's like the more these words come to life in my life. Um, <laughs> and um, that's crazy because I just walked in. <laughs> um, and I noticed like even if I just study a certain chapter for some reason, like whenever, like I just kind of ask God, where should I go? And usually it tells me like a certain one that'll pop into my head um, that I haven't read yet. And I'll go in and then it just pertains and relates so much to what I'm going through in life. Or it's not at that moment, but then that day, like something happens where I can use um, that scripture and apply it. Um, I just think it's crazy. And I don't get those experiences if I'm not embedded into the word. And we've kind of talked about there is scripture that talks about how the word is life, the truth of Jesus. And um, so I kind of wanted to share um, some testimony about that happening in my life. But first, let's go to John 10 and 24. Perfect, we're still in John from when Sarah's. So before, John chapter 10 talks about um, the good shepherd, which we know is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the only way. Um, and the sheep, we're the sheep. Those are the believers who follow his voice. And... One thing, sometimes 
his voice can be very subtle. Or sometimes it is you just studied um, something or read scripture and then you keep hearing it over and over in your head and he wants you to do something with that um, and put it into action. And so I wanted to read starting at 24. So then came the Jews round about him and said unto him, How long does thou make us to doubt? If thou be the Christ, tell us plainly. So here is the non-believer's mind um, doubting um, Christ because they don't understand or see spiritually. So, I mean, Christ at this point has told them that he is Christ. <laughs> he is the Messiah. He has come back. He is the Son of God. And they're not believing him, that carnal mind. Um, and like going back to the shepherd, if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with him, if you are reading the word, if you are praying, you learn his voice. You learn to have dialogue with him, not just be praying only to him, but you learn to listen for direction. Um, going in 25, Jesus answered them, I told you, and ye believed not. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep, as I said unto you. 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. So, last Friday, it was February 17th, um, I had to take my car um, to go get fixed, because I... My radiator was, I had to get it replaced. And um, I thank Lord that he took care of me, got me a good, truthful mechanic who um, didn't, you know, I mean, even the little things, like, you know, an older car, um, didn't charge me a ton, but really took care of me, gave me a free oil change and stuff like that. And um, Carlin had to pick me up super early in the morning, and we went to the dog park. And we never really, I mean, we're not always haven't been the morning people. <laughs> okay, we like to sleep in, especially on days we have off. But, you know, we felt really good about this morning and just being alive with Christ. And a lot of time uh, there's scripture in the Bible that says, like, you know, God's active in the morning of dawn, the break of dawn. Um, and so we go to the dog park. It's about 930. And I, whenever I go to the dog park, I like to go pray. And so does he. But we don't always get time to go together because um, we have opposite schedules. So we went, and we went to the riverbank on the Sandy, and I've been going there for a long time, like 10 years since I was a kid. I've gone to that Sandy River. Um, it's a 1,000 acres, if you guys know where that is in Trap Joe. Um, <laughs> well, we went there, and we went up to this bank, and I felt a strong like presence just to pray. And I, and it's like the Lord was telling me, like I felt that Holy Spirit bubbling up inside of me. And I can tell it was the Lord. He wanted me to pray. So I was like, um, I asked him, like, hey, let's pray together. So we prayed. And we prayed right normally out loud together. Um, just about everyone in our lives, family, ministry, everything. Um, being thankful, asking for guidance, all the things. And then um, after we were done praying, like I just didn't feel like, like the Lord was done with me. Like... Didn't, like he was telling me, no, you're not done. You need to keep praying. And I was feeling the strong urge to pray in the spirit. Um, that's a gift that the Lord's given me is to pray in tongues. And I didn't know how to bring that forth because I've never done that like with Carlin or in front of Carlin. That can be embarrassing, you know, sometimes unless it's like with the group, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm like, you know, I'm feeling this strong urge from the Lord. He's telling me like, I don't know what it's for, who it's for that I need to pray in the spirit. And, um, 
like you can you know choose to come like do it with me or you can just listen or you can choose to go hang out with Loyla our dog like whatever you want you know but I, I know in my heart this is what I need to do and um, he and our dog's right there whining and barking at us she wants to go <laughs> and um, so distracting us like Satan's using animals to distract us from what the Lord wants us to do which will happen sometimes when the Lord tries to talk to you mm-hmm. and so we I decided he stayed with me, prayed in the spirit, did it for a while, and I just felt this just strong overcoming, and I couldn't stop. And then all of a sudden, I hear this huge wave sound, and like Carlin like stops me, and we look, and there's a big sea lion. Wow. There's a sea lion in the Sandy River. I've never seen a sea lion in the Sandy River, okay? And my heart is just beating so fast. I start tearing up and crying, and I know it's something little, but it's like, God... He controls all things, you know? The Holy Spirit, He created all um, creatures, all nature, everything. And I believe He can, you know, speak to you in even sending little messages like that. um, Saying, thank you for listening to me for prayer and staying, you know, consistent in faith in me. And um, that's just hearing His voice. Because I almost didn't stop and do it. And it's crazy because, like, I mean, it was, we saw it pop up a few different times. We saw His whiskers up in the air. And it was like five feet out from us um, at the Sandy River. And we were, once we left and it was swimming along, we asked, like, there's a runner that came by if she saw it because it went by her way. Nope. Like, no one saw, no one else saw the sea line. Like, there's people at the park. It was a beautiful day. And it was just crazy. So I just wanted to share even those little things. Like, I just feel like that's so, like, God is alive. It is supernatural intervention that we saw that when I've been going there for years and never seen that. So I'm going to go to um, John 16 and 12. Keep it close. to kind of go by, you know, hearing the Lord's voice, but also letting him um, teach you and guide you. So got uh, John 16 and verse 12. I have yet many things to say unto you, but ye cannot bear them now. How be it with he, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whosoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will shew you things to come. Um, so what really stood out to me about this is, well, you know, being in the word of God, you hear the truth of God, which then, building that relationship, you, um, the Holy Spirit will guide you and tell you when to do things. But also on that is at that last verse, and he will shew you things to come. Um, that is, like, the Lord wants to share a lot of his secrets with you and um, his greatness with you. and But it, you can't do that unless you invest into him. Um, and he will only show you one step at a time, you know, and it takes patience and waiting on him and it takes endurance and earning his trust just as much as you have to tr- step into faith and trust him. Um, he shall glorify me for he shall receive of mine and shall shew it unto you. All things that the father have are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall shew it unto you. And then I'm just going to go over one more thing. Um, Psalms 46. So Psalm 46 is actually something, um, is a psalm that me and Carlin had gone over um, previously the day before, and we it's been kind of a theme 
and it happened to be that whole week and it was after the bible study of being patient which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy how the lord just like weaves in all these um studies together into your life and i'm going to first read verse 10 and then i'm going to go back and read the whole thing and this is something that we were um really working on and it was be still and know that i am god i will be exalted among the heathen i will be exalted in the earth so no matter what you're going through stay calm even tempered um and have the peace and joy and the fruit of the spirit no matter what and just that be still like i love to just go out and feel the wind and just uh, look up at the trees and the birds the clouds and just be still and feel god's presence and pray to him and just feel in one with him um, because he did create all things and just know that no matter what corruption evil is in this world that god has dominion over the heathen he's going to come back So Jesus will come back. And so I'm going to go back and start from the beginning because then there's other things that kind of tie into this little story that we read this after we were at the dog park. And it kind of just made me even more excited about this song. (laughs) Um, So God, so starting at verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed and... Though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters therefore roar and be troubled through the mountains, shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof, and shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early um so that right early is like in the morning or the break of dawn and this is just saying how like um god's um like holy place will not be moved um will not be shaken and i also went and read that same day after this ezekiel 47 1 through 12 and it kind of talked a little bit more about the holy waters and stuff um which is interesting you can go read that on your own time but for me it helped connect um I don't know, just a little bit more understanding of God's glory and honor and just how powerful he is and how much reign he has on this earth and over all things. Um, Six, the heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Eight, come behold the works of the Lord that what desolations he had made in the earth. He maketh wars to seize unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in the sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. He or Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. So that's just a little bit of my testimony of really feeling God's, um, the word of God's come into action into my life, but knowing that God's presence is always with you and he is alive, but you just got to seek him continually no matter what and listen for his voice and trust him. That's right. Awesome. I guess I can get rid of John 10. (laughs) But that's good though, because sometimes we don't have time to go into certain things, but Mm -hmm. This is how the body of Christ pieces things together. You know, what one person may say in a song and another may present in a teaching and, you know, or a psalm or whatever. This is how the Lord 
puts things together. And if you're really sitting in the body of Christ that is full of the Spirit or where the Spirit is present, the Lord is going to have the gifts work in everyone. Okay, because this is what the body is all about. Imagine your arm working without your fingers. I mean, it's just, you just have a nub just moving it around. So everything has its purpose. So let's go to uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. And then we're going to hear a, a, a clip by Gary, Pastor Gary Price. But this is again on the church without spot or blemish. Because this is what the Lord is going to have, whether we're in or we're out. So what we want to do is make sure is that we're in. title of today's study? You're joking. Oh, a church without spot or blemish. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just said it. Like, Sorry. That's yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm just making sure everyone else heard it. It's exciting. Oh, yeah. First Thessalonians 5, and we're going to start at verse 1. Everybody there? Almost. It's before Timothy. Yeah, all right. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 1. But of the times of the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. I love what Pastor Gary Price said, and you guys should check out this um, teaching, but it's called, We're Not Losing, We're Leaving. And I think that is significant, because the world looks like we've beat down the church, the church has no ground, you've got pastors turning left and right to, um, you know, really be a part of the whore. Okay, so that, that it looks like, man, the church is just falling apart. And all the church is doing is getting prepared, doing what the Lord says, and we're waiting on the day of the Lord to do what he calls us to do. Okay, so we're not losing. We're just doing what we need to do here, and then we're cutting out. For those who want the Lord, they'll believe the gospel. For those who don't want it, then they'll be left behind. But we're not losing ground. We just want to see who's coming to this marriage supper. We're just obeying the Lord and his commandment, teaching us or telling us to preach the gospel. All right, so just when this world thinks that they have peace and safety because they are going to try for a new world order, you know, the Bible mm -hmm. says they will have it, they'll have their way, but only for a short period of time. So just when they think they have peace and safety, strike, you know, and it's funny how there's 10 horns and there's 10 pins. So mm -hmm. just that bowling ball coming right down the alley, which is Jesus Christ, is going to put an end to all of this. So the Lord is, you know, and this is why God is so good, because he tries to tell people, look, the day of the Lord is coming, and it won't be a glorious day. It's going to be a terrible day. It's going to be frightening for those who have not, even for the Christian, you're going to still be, whoa, you're going to be happy to see him. Yeah. But everyone, the Lord says that that is not a happy day, because there's going to be a lot of stuff going on. Mm -hmm. But the Lord spends a lot of time just trying to get us to say, look, guys, look. Let's reason together. You know, I'm holy, you're unholy. Let's just do what is necessary that you and I may be together. And he really does plead with us. He really does speak to us. But we like to fight. It's something in this flesh where, all right, Lord, I know that ain't going to be for a long time, so I'm just going to enjoy myself now. And no, we got to really believe God and take him at his word. So he says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you 
uh, as a thief. So in other words, we're longing for his appearing. And of course, in order to do this, we want to be without spot or wrinkle. And you know, you're, like the Bible says, your countenance will witness against you. How we live, what we feed on, what we do will determine whether we're saved or not. Because Paul in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 said, I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me. Paul knew that he was getting in. He had no doubt whatsoever, like the Bible says, deep calleth unto deep. So he was one with God in the spirit. All right, so that's what we want. Verse 5, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So, you know, we should be pretty much transparent. You know, Jesus said for those men that like darkness, they like evil, but they're not of the light. Jesus said, I have said nothing to anyone in secret. You know, I'm telling you here before all, there's no guile in my mouth. There's no deceit. You can take it or leave it. All right, uh, verse 7, I think, or verse 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Mm -hmm. So the Lord puts emphasis on just, you know, watching and being sober, mm -hmm. recognizing the times, understanding where we are. You know, that, that the, the kingdom of heaven is, I mean, it's on the doorpost now. Yeah. It's getting ready to step over the threshold. And this is why we got to tell people to be, you know, ready and have ourselves ready. Seven, mm -hmm. for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and, and for an helmet and hope of salvation. So he's saying, man, in the day, in the evil day, put on the breastplate of faith. Man, guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Don't let anything take the place of God in your life. Why? Because all it will do is weaken that breastplate. And the Bible even says that out of your heart flows the issues of life. So we want to have that together, you know. And that's what the um, breastplate of um, faith is. Then it says, in love and of a helmet. Hope of the salvation so nothing can get into your mind to keep you from the cross, to keep you from salvation, to keep you from thinking of eternal life. These are things that are important for us. Mm -hmm. Don't let anybody pull you back into the flesh. Verse 9, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is, why, this is where you get the pre-trib rapture people, you know, they get it wrong. Because they think if you say there's no pre-trip rapture, that means that we're scheduled for God's wrath. No. First Thessalonians 4 said that we will be taken in a twinkling of an eye. We will be changed. We're going to go up at the coming of Christ. When Christ is coming, we're going to meet with him in the clouds. Then he's going to go and do what he has to do on the earth. So some people feel like, well, if I don't believe in a pre-trip wrath, then God is going to destroy me too. No. God is coming at the appointed time. The pre-trib rapture is telling people, oh, even before the great tribulation starts, you'll be out of here. And that's not going to happen. We're going to be here for the great tribulation. At the coming of Christ is when we're going to be lifted up. That's and right. he says the dead will rise first. Mm -hmm. And then we will meet with them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we are not appointed to his wrath, but to obtain salvation by the Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. And I love the way the Bible puts emphasis on sleep because a Christian's walk and his experience is not like the world. We sleep, others die, and go on to the second death. A Christian can't be killed. A Christian lives forever because eternal life is our place. 
So this is why the Bible refers to us as sleeping, because it's only for a moment. To God, it already happened. You know, salvation is already in his rearview mirror. He sees the beginning from the end. He's outside of time. So he knows those who are going to be saved and who won't be. So to God, it's nothing. When we die, if we have followed the Lord and we're one of his, he's just going to pick us back up. So, it's you know, remember what he said in Revelation 5 that he told those souls that were beheaded for the name of Jesus Christ. He said, now, you know, take your robes and rest. He said, this is your rest for a time up until the Lord comes and does what needs to be done. So we have to look at death as rest. But, it, you know, this is all a part of being pushed away from the world and really accepting the Lord and what he wants us to do. This is what it means to be spirit to spirit with God, because if you know that God is God, then Jesus has the keys over death and hell. Mm -hmm. Why should we be afraid of the enemy and he's got no power? But this is the problem with the church is why the church is full of spot and blemish, because the church doesn't want to go. When God gave us commandment to go, the church wants to sit down and be entertained and have others come in and join. And there's nothing wrong with the base camp. There's nothing wrong with fellowship because we are supposed to be grown to get out there and do what he tells us to do. But the church has become stagnant because of the fact that they think, you know, they're afraid to die. Most people are afraid to lose their marriages. They're afraid that their kids are going to hate them. Man, we've got to push past that because Jesus Christ is hanging on to everything that we say and do. Mm -hmm. If he's that real to us, we will do. Now, I heard Sarah say that she feels like she hasn't done everything in, the, everything in the Lord and she's struggling. Christina said that. Melissa feels that. You know, this weekend to me, when I went to um, the hotel, I stepped outside and walked in front of Jackknife to go and talk to the guys that I work with. So I'm talking to them, and, you know, I don't know how we got on the subject of it. One guy was talking about that. We were uh, talking about a guy who's always injured there. This guy is always sick, always not feeling well. You know, he's got a busted knee now. He had a busted shoulder. He had all this stuff happen to him, but, you know, when you look at him, he's, you know, covered in tats. You know, he, he believes he's got the five-pointed star and all these things on him, but he's like a biker, you know, like one of the biker dudes. And it just seems like this guy can't catch a break. He's always suffering. Something's always happening to him. And uh, we got on that subject, and I said, you know, people don't understand that demons follow symbols. And two other guys were listening, and they were like, yeah, you know, that's true, whatever. And I said, well, you know, I deal with demons, so I, I get, you know, what's going on. And the guy was like, well, what are, what are you into? I said, I'm Christian. He said, what denomination? I said, I'm Christian. And he was like, really? You're like, you don't have a denomination? I said, you look in the Bible and find denomination anywhere. I dare anybody to look for Lutheran, look for Catholic, look for this or that. You're either of Jesus or you're not. Hmm. So the guy was sitting there listening, and I'm talking. And I remember, man, like feeling so bold. And I think part of that was because I was fasting. Right. You know, and it's almost like when you're fasting, the Lord doesn't, he doesn't expect you to say anything. He's going to pull out of your spirit what is there. So fasting is a good part of it. You ever notice how courageous you get when you've been fasting? Oh, yeah. You may not even mean to say things, but the word will pop out because you're know. spirit to spirit with God. God's like, well, you're mine, so I'm going to pull out of you right now when That's I need true. to be heard. But I remember minutes just talking to everybody, and they were sitting there listening. Then there were a couple of guys who came out. I'm not going to say any names, but they came out. And 
as I began to talk about Jesus. Because first I was talking about the spiritual stuff. As mm-hmm. soon as I got into Jesus, and I, you could just see everybody like... Yeah, yeah. You know, like they get that little rock, that uneasy feeling. And I said, You guys don't think demons are real. Why, when I bring up the name of Jesus, you got people uneasy? I said, That's not a natural thing. Mentioning Jesus is like mentioning, you know, Mm -hmm. you're just speaking, you're just talking about someone you know. Why does that make the world uneasy? And those guys were sitting there listening. And I can tell the other two, man, they were just so turned off by, like, Let's change the subject, please. But I, I left it alone for that moment. But you will become bold. The time, like Christina said, you spend with the Lord, like Sarah's talking about, you know, being able to get there with the Lord, you know, fasting and prayer. Mm-hmm. Believe in God. Okay, so, wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, uh, even as also ye do. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you, and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So, you know, the, the, it does have a ranking system in the church. You know, unfortunately, that's just the way. It ain't unfortunate. That's God's order. God doesn't run a place of disorder. You're going to have people in proper headship in order that the Lord has placed in our lives for specific reasons. This is what's governing the church. And this is why a lot of the headship is lost. This is why a lot of drama and things occur in the church because the headship is not where it should be. You got a bunch of people running around doing their thing. 13. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. So the Lord is saying, now some people, well, Paul's saying, but you know, through inspiration of the Holy Ghost, Mm -hmm. some people would say, well, The Lord does it all, and the Lord does do it all. The Lord always adds the increase, no matter who's teaching, no matter who's laying hands, who's doing this, who's doing that. But the Lord is saying, give them their due for what they do bring. Because the Bible says, I give unto you apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, and some evangelists. So these things are necessary. He's saying, give them their due. Like, And and you know what? I've been guilty of this, where I've been in churches learning from pastors, and then I start learning a little something. So now I'm throwing it back on them, like little things. And, you know, I had a lot of disrespect towards, you know, the whole church system because of the fact that I had learned some new truth. So I would go and, yeah, he got that right, but I'll tell you where he's weak. Or this is where he's wrong and this and that. Or, yeah, he may understand some things, but I'm learning this, 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 and this. The Lord is saying, give them their due. Because he put them there. Gary Price said that teachers and pastors and those guys, they're some of the most not appreciated people there are. It's like people will come. It's almost like going to a table eating. The Lord is preparing the dinner. You know, you might, the Lord gives you the ingredients and you prepare the dinner and everyone comes and eats and just leaves. You know, no no thank you, nothing. Just walk out. And every day you're like, you know, preparing food or whatever and they're just... Yeah, thanks for the meal, you know, and just cut out. So the Lord is just saying, give them their due. Again, this is all about Jesus Christ. This is not about personal achievement or anything, but we have to respect that the, 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 those that the Lord had given us because he put them there for a reason. That's right. And that's something I had to learn, which is why I go back. Even in my old church, when I first started in this ministry, I would talk negative about a lot of the things that I learned in there, you know, and... I don't do that anymore because I had a real revelation come to me when I went home in August 
And I began to talk about the Lord and some of the things he'd done and the miracles he had placed in my life. And though they may not have been as fundamentally sound in the word, one thing they were was full of the spirit. When I mentioned the things that the Lord had done, man, if you listen to that teaching, they were just overwhelmed with praise to the Lord. So one thing that they did have correct was praise to the Lord, glory to God, not sitting there like corpses. They were, you know, in the spirit. And I, and I also, the Lord brought back to mind the very first time that I went there to speak. And I thought I was being, you know, sound, you know, like I'm bringing up all this truth, but I look back on it and those people were hearing things that they had already heard, you know, and I was bringing forth stuff, but I thought I was, you know, John the Baptist, you know, coming in, bringing information. But I, I remember how they encouraged me mm -hmm. and they were like, that's right. You know, good. Yeah. Amen. And they laughed, but no one took it personal. So I had the question, was I in the body of Christ or were they in the body of Christ? Mm -hmm. Because one thing they did was encourage. Mm -hmm. I came there in pride. So you see, the Lord always has a way of turning things around. I could say that I came there in the spirit. I came in pride, you know, and I, I can be realistic. The, the Lord has pointed that on to me. But the point is, is that they encourage me. There are times you may teach and people come and present things that you hear and it's like, you know, amen. This is how we should be encouraging. Not, man, you don't know that. Man, you dumb as a box of rocks. That's not, no, that's not how it should be. We should be encouraging because we're all about feeding each other, you know, or the Lord feeding us and us grooming each other to get right with Christ or to do what's necessary. So I just thought it was good to bring that up because this was a lesson I thought I knew only to learn. You know, they were very supportive. Never spoke against me. When are you having your next thing or whatever? You know, so this is what you want to be for the body of Christ. And unfortunately, in the church, there's a lot of envy today. Mm -hmm. People hate to hear other people doing things or saying things. They may say amen. And then when you leave, yeah, he always think he knows everything. I just, you know, no, man. We got to really be a real body, you know, spirit to spirit. Verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, patient towards all men. Mm -hmm. So this is what we were just talking about. You know, there are some of us who are weaker in the spirit than others. We should be very encouraging with this. You know, we should be, those that are unruly, we should tell them where they're wrong. Comfort them. Because, man, the devil is our enemy. We don't need to chew on each other. Excuse me. We should be building each other up. So it says, uh, verse 15, See that none render evil for evil unto any man, but but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. So you see, like Christina was saying, I, there have been many times I've been guilty of getting off my knees, knowing that the Lord ain't done talking to me, but I'm tired. And you feel it too when you wake up in the morning. Like, man, you think that prayer was something? I needed you to do something else. So I do understand what that's like. But he's saying to pray always, no matter where we are. Thank you, Jesus. Because prayer is a huge weapon for the church. Yes, and is. unfortunately, the church only, well, I'm speaking to the church, the false church. You know, they give those little, now I lay me down to sleep. 
and, you know, whatever. But, see, there should be the correction there from the presbytery, from those that are older that know, hey, this is how we should pray. But you got everybody looking at the pastor and no one trying to help each other out. And that is where we're falling short as a church. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. We don't understand how at times our selfish nature will keep us from the things of God. Be grateful, be thankful. Verse 19, quench not the spirit, despise not prophesying. Okay, because you do get some phony prophets that are out there, people doing things, but we have to acknowledge the Spirit of God. If there's a prophecy coming, that's the Lord trying to tell us what's what so we know what to do. But to quench not the Spirit. So the Holy Ghost can be easily offended when we're in sin, when our thoughts are wrong, when we're doing things. When we become really sensitive in the Spirit, isn't it funny how just a thought will give you a feeling of sickness? That was so not, oh man, Lord forgive me. You know, you want to get rid of it because you didn't even have to do it. Just the fact that your mind entertained it, the Holy Ghost will tell you. All right, so it says in verse 21, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, abstain from all appearance of evil. I wanted to do a teaching on this. I thought that that's what I was going to do tonight, but the Lord gave me something else. But you don't have to be evil. The appearance of evil can stunt your walk. It can do things. It can mess with your reputation. When you're out there talking to people, you're hanging around with a married man or woman. Now, you might just be delivering the gospel, staying over somebody's house late at night and then leaving. Now, you know, people may recognize what you're doing and then like, oh, well, he's a Christian. But there may be some people that will say, oh, I thought he was a Christian, but there he is or there she is leaving this person's house late. Now, what's going on with that? Because I know they're not married. Or I know they are married. So these are things that the Lord wants us to escape because in uh, 1 Timothy and in Titus, the Lord speaks about the reputation that a deacon, that a minister, that a bishop should have, that a bishop's wife should have, that a deacon's wife should have, how the children should be in order. So if we are doing certain things that we shouldn't do, It only stains the name of the church. So this is what we got to be aware of. It's not our thoughts. The argument that you had with the guy in the parking lot where he called you a name and you ripped into him. If there's anyone around that's watching and knows you're a Christian, you just gave that look. You just gave that that church a bad name. So, you know, it's really about being focused on what he wants us to do. So it says in verse 23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've done teachings on body, soul, and spirit before. We are triune beings. We are one person in three parts. God is one God in three persons. Now, he said your spirit, soul, and body may be blameless. So there is a point where your body can no longer be blameless because you're not partaking in sin. You're not using your body for sin. But if your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions, then those even have to be governed by the Lord. Those can still be found blameless, even though your body has done absolutely nothing. You ever heard the term a dry drunk? There is a such thing. That person doesn't have to drink anymore. But just being around it and longing for it makes you a drunk. You know, just because you didn't do it doesn't mean you're not a drunk. That's why Jesus said, if you hate your brother without a cause... 
that you have already committed murder because you don't have to be a murderer and commit the act of murder. You can just be a murderer in your mind because you hate. Yeah. Okay? Like he said for adultery. If you even look at a woman with lust in your heart, you have already committed the act. So your soul has to be blameless. Your spirit needs to be linked with the Lord. So a lot of us may look at the flesh and say, well, we're not doing these things, but the Lord has still got some more stuff to do with us. He's got to work with us from the inside out so that our soul, spirit, and body may be blameless before the Lord. Verse 24, faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So the Lord is saying, you hold up your end of the bargain. I will keep mine. You don't have to worry about that. I am God. Verse uh, 25, brethren, pray for us. Greet all the brethren with an holy kiss. I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. Uh, and grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So we understand here that the Lord wants us to be blameless. This is how he wants his church. All right, so we're going to hear, because um, I think religion is one of the biggest issues concerning the church of God. You know, having a religious spirit. We're going to hear a quick clip of uh, Pastor Gary Price saying that uh, it, it's examining the religious mind. So we're going to get into that. And on that religious mind, like you can't just go to church every Sunday and um, quench not the spirit because that's a daily feeling that you have to keep that fire burning. You that's keep right. Praying, keep um, meditating on scripture and mm -hmm. can't be just a one day a week. See, and I think what keeps us from being religious, again, I think religion and idolatry go hand in hand as well because you can't become a religious person if you're focused on Christ. But if you are idolizing your pastor and other things like that, you will be religious. So we're going to hear a quick clip of Pastor Price. I don't know how quick it'll be, but... They tell them, well, those are not the proper stockings. We have seams of our stockings. You have no seams. We reject you. That's how... Look, this stuff is real. The religious mind is a crazy, insane, warped mind. It likes gymnastics. That's why we're sending out doves this month with the anointing on the anointed dove. The Lord has told me to send out 10,000 of these for $300. And people like, see, that's the kind of stuff people like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll have that dove over my bed when I sleep at night to protect me from the devil. They come up with junk. Just one stupid thing after another. And the people just flood money into religion and the devil's coffers. Because they got religious minds. I'm telling you about, about a microscopic examination of the, the mind of the religious demon. You got to be extracted from religion to relate to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was crucified outside the camp, outside of religion. He don't have anything to do with religion. Except this religion that's defined right here in, this, in, in James. Look at this. He says... But whoso looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the word, this man shall be blessed in what? So you'll be blessed in doing it. Not hearing it, doing it. These signs follow them that believe. You gotta be out there doing something for signs to follow you. Not sitting in church. How can something follow you if you sit still? You gotta be on the move. 
I'm talking to folks in Walmart. I'm talking to folks at the grocery store. I'm moving and shaking out here, man. I'm out here looking for signs to follow me. And then the Holy Ghost will begin to activate you. You'll be stirring them up because he sees you're a man or woman on the move. And then he'll follow you with, with confirmation and signs and wonders. Folks are trying to cook up God but won't move. They come to hear a lecture every week in theater-style seating sitting in the church. And that be, that's your, you can die like that. Ever learning, never able to come to the knowledge of a truth, never coming to Jesus to have him confirm who he is in you. You're just always trying to learn something else. Just learn a new doctrine. Hear something else. You become a philosophy worshiper. Then you get these weirdos and these real shamans and witch doctors that learn how to talk a long time saying nothing like T.D. Jakes. He'll take a topic and scream it out for a long time and you think that's deep. That's just a wizard. And you see, the Lord is saying that we're moving into a new dimension, a new characterization of himself. And deep down within, you'll feel the stirring, a stirring in the spirit is coming upon you. And the Lord is moving you into a new dimension in himself. So you have started out as a young child and you were always forsaken and the ostracized one in your family. But God is now moving you into a new dimension and your family has become a bunch of haters. Now we get back to that hater stuff, you know, that we feel like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm unique. Yeah, the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And this thing, you jumping and popping. He said, now everybody give a thousand, a thousand, a thousand dollars. And you can empty your pockets. <laughs> Bewitched by this kook with Tyler Perry laying his hands on him. You know why Tyler Perry was laying hands on him? Because he just gave him a million dollars first. Oh, Tyler, you can just lay hands on the whole place. You can just do whatever you want to do. Thank you, Jesus. This is all the work of shamans, witch doctors, voodoo priests. Man, wake up. What's, why is it so hard to wake up out of this thing? Awake thou that sleepest, and the Lord will give you light. He's trying to bring everybody out of this delusion. But I found over the years, you can talk to somebody for years, and maybe one day the light bulb, you know, you know how a cartoon like a light bulb appear to here, ping. I got a revelation. And you've been telling the same thing for 5,000 years. And like, I see. And I'm thinking, and you're thinking, praise the Lord, I'm glad you see you. Then they try to tell you what you've been telling them all along as if it's new to you. You know, they come back to you with revelation. Now, you've been telling them, and you just said, praise the Lord. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh -huh. Thank you, Jesus. I see what you mean. Don't even go into it. I told you, don't even, don't, don't go into it. Don't go to that I told you stuff. Don't just receive it as fresh revelation, fresh manna. Because they got it finally. It's pouring out of them. Now let them get it off their chest, you know. Because there's a burden lifted off of them. They got to talk to somebody because they've been bound. So don't, don't get wrapped up in, I told you a long time ago you was crazy. Don't, don't, don't. Don't know. Don't go there with that. Maintain humility. Humility. Meekness is a fruit of the spirit. <laughs> Although you want to tell them, you don't know something. <laughs> if any man among you seem to be what? Religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction, you're selfishly giving yourself over to people who need help. In their affliction, and to keep himself 
unspotted, unblemished from the world. This present age, the word there is cosmos, the fashions of the world. So you separate from the stench of the world so God can wash you. And he'll turn you into a selfless individual given to pour your life into other, other people. That's pure religion. It ain't a bunch of rules and regulations and laws and what you can or cannot wear. The Holy Ghost will take care of that all by himself. I don't care if a girl walks in this door looking like a stripper. If she's for real, the Holy Ghost will wash and regenerate her. I'll concentrate on that. See, cause that'll make, that'll make her religious. She'll feel like, I got to conform to what y'all said and then y'all accept me. I can't do anything on people to mess up on the inside now who come in with all that in them already. God have to wash the inside out. Some folks got to be washed on the outside. Other folks got to be washed on the inside. You might have some kind of crazy thinking pattern on the inside of you that nobody can see. See, one thing about you sitting here, nobody knows what you're thinking. You might be crazy, but nobody knows that. So God knows, but he's going to wash you based on that word flowing over you. It'll wash out after a while. I tell folks, just don't get out of the process. You hold something under water long enough, it'll finally wash clean. If not, we'll just add a little soap. Soap won't do a little scrubbing. No scrubbing, no blast. You know, <laughs> blast furnace or something. You don't use a flame through, burn it off with you or something. We get it off with you. It upgrades. If it's a stronghold, it just turn up the heat. He is a purifier. He's chosen you in a furnace of affliction. He gonna, you go through stuff to get stuff off of you. Did you know that? I got a problem with patience. You're going to have somebody bugging the food out of you all day long. <laughs> you a man with a trouble with patience, that's why you get married. <laughs> Your wife just, Tim, you downstairs looking, hey, Tim. And you think of this side, man. What? What you want? Tim, I know you hear me. Then you you answer that real. Yeah. <laughs> Did you bring Man, I'm trying to just sit here. I was gonna relax today. I was gonna just sit here, eat I made myself a sandwich and just got myself a coke. And I just sat down. Tim! Then your wife go off. You said, fine, I got it. Then your kids, daddy. <laughs> you know I got to go to the game at 3 o'clock, right? You said, Lord, the devil, you're praying, Lord, I want to be made more patient as a servant of God. I want to be patient, Lord, to serve you in faithfulness. So, okay, so okay. Tim! <laughs> as soon as you get from your knees, somebody said, Tim! And you said, Daddy, he make you patient. So don't run from the from the from the process. The process is designed to make you what you prayed about. I want to be a servant of God. I want all nine to fruit in me. Okay, okay. Long suffering. Okay. Guess what you got to do? Suffer long. You think? Ain't it another way? No, ain't no other way. Fruit don't just get put on you. Fruit have to be grown. And experience, work with patience. See, it all ties together. You've got to go through a process to be made into what God wants you to be. Me too. And if you don't believe it, start dealing with church people. You think you want to get in the ministry, deal with church folk. Church folk be like, like for real. 
They tell you you said stuff that you never said. Mm -hmm. So you know you remember you said, I said, really? <laughs> I said that. Oh yeah. I remember. I got it in my notes. I know. I don't even know what they're talking about. So you just say, you know, you know, just stay under the process, it'll be all right after a while. By and by, like the old people said, by and by. <laughs> the mind of the religious demon, Galatians chapter one, look at it. Galatians chapter 1, microscopically examining the mind of a religious demon, a strange creature here, man. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, look at this. He says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brothers which are with me unto the churches of Galatia. Notice how he didn't write to the church uh, that was a denomination, he wrote to the whole city. The church had no distinctions. There was this one church. There are no denominations. They don't exist. And you say, well, all these denominations, where did they come from? Men made them. Had nothing to do with God. There's only one faith, one Lord, one baptism, one God. There is no such thing as a denomination. It's man-made garbage. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from what? This present evil world. You are being delivered from whatever the present evil world looks like. Just look at it. Anything in the world, that's what he's delivering you from. According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to what? another gospel which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ so they take the real gospel and twist it they pervert it what does that? a perverse spirit you've been in the kind of filthy sexual practices your mind going to operate in perversions everything that comes into your mind gets perverted and gets crooked you tell them something simple hey can you take this white sheet of bond paper and put it into the printer please this piece of bond paper here is an eight and a half by 11 or is 11 by 14. You want that printer over there or that one around the corner? No, the printer. Uh, do you want this paper? Now, how exactly do you want it landscape or do you want it? How do you want it placed into the printer? Is the printer, is it, what kind is it? Is it HP? Is it Xerox? What kind? Of, hey, look, that's okay, man. I got the paper. Give me the paper back now. <laughs> A perverted mind will take the simplest thing. Twist it, maim it, make it convoluted, and, and you just don't even know what happened. Send them to the store to get some grapes. They come back with cantaloupes. <laughs> I told you when I got up there and I started figuring, you know, you were figuring grapes. Just some grapes. See this grapes. What you got cantaloupes, apples, oranges, man, all kinds of mangoes and stuff. Then they said, Oh yeah, I forgot the grapes. <laughs> and all you wanted to get was the grapes. That's a running mind, man. It thinks too much. You tell it something simple and start thinking of other options, other ways to do it. Maybe we do it this way. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Have you considered this? I just wanted you to bring me a pen. A pen. <laughs> what did you want, big? Or did you, look, a pen. 
it'll go crazy. When you get that perverted spirit in you, it twists everything. You've been in any kind of sexual perversion, you got a perverted spirit in you, you got to be delivered from it. It'll pervert the gospel of Christ, but though we are an angel from heaven, Mormons, Moroni came to this guy from the Mormons and preached another gospel, and now they got the book of Mormons from an angel. So it says, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Anybody bringing any other gospel, the prosperity gospel, those people are under a curse. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel to you other than you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. You try to get in the church and become a man pleaser, you're no longer serving Christ, you're serving that person. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached to me is not after man, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it by, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews, what? The Jews' religion. Judaism practiced today as a religion has nothing to do with Jesus Christ. Rabbinic Judaism is not the Judaism of the Bible. They used the Torah in valid Judaism. They used the books of the Bible. You remember when Jesus talked, he quoted from Isaiah and other prophets. They read the scripture, the Old Testament scriptures. But this stuff today has been mixed with all kinds of defiling stuff, man. The Talmud which is nothing but perverted Judaism that came from the Babylonian captivity. They mixed in Babylonian mysticism with the, with, the, with the Torah. And then they perverted it further and got what? Kabbalistic Judaism, which is mysticism that Madonna practices right now. See, Jews that operate in the Torah don't accept the New Testament. They don't, they don't receive Jesus. That's where they stop it, like, no, he, that's not, that's not. We'll go right up to him and that's it. Paul was a deceived Jew. Some of them mentioned Jesus' name and spit out his name. He's cursed. Matter of fact, I think the Talmud says that Jesus is in hell bathed in a, in a pile of feces burning. So, you know, this thing here is wrong, man, when you get to religion. And the apostle says, I practiced, man. I was in the middle of the Jews' religion. How the beyond measure, I persecute the church of God and wasted it. That's what will happen to you when you become religious. You'll side with whatever religious dogma and doctrine you have appended yourself to, and you'll waste the church of God and fight it. That's why people look at me and say, this is a cult. I know that's not right. I know he is not of God. Or he's got an ulterior motive for what he's doing. That doing this tabernacle stuff is the same stuff. How many of y'all have been here and your, your relatives told you you were in a cult? Sit on his hand. Oh. What am I saying that's so cult-like? Now, they're in a Baptist church telling them once they're saved, they're always saved, and you're in a cult. There are Roman Catholic praying to Mary, and you're in a cult. You see how crazy this is? But what happens? Numbers give them power to believe what they're in is true. Since it's not a majority of you and a lot of you, that can't be God. 
when the Bible says it's a straight and narrow way and few that be that find it. Broad is the way that leads to damnation and many that be that go in there in. Because you come to Jesus alone. You were born alone, you come to Jesus alone, you die alone. Those three things you got to do by yourself. This is not a group salvation. It's not a collective. You got to know him for you. So if you don't belong to a, a group, they won't say anything about Roman Catholicism, which is the biggest cult in the world. Mormons, the biggest cult in the world. Islam, a billion strong cult. They won't mention that. But if you finally come to Jesus for yourself, and they'll try to always bypass you and talk about Pastor Pride, the preacher, see, you've been brainwashed. And you just tell them, I don't care nothing about him neither. I'm not studying him. I'm trying to make it in. I, I want to know the Lord. Well, see, now I know you're in a cult. You will believe you can know the Lord for real? You've got, you have to have lost your mind to believe that. What's happening for real when they tell you you're in a cult? You got a hold of the truth, and they lost control of you. That's all that happened. When they lose control of you, now you're crazy. You're in a cult because I've been working this work witchcraft for you all your life. Your mama been working that thing on you all your life, and Christ set you free from your mama, and now you're in a cult. Now you're full of the devil. Now you're going to hell. Why? Because you don't obey me anymore. And I'm your master. <laughs> so thinking you're dumb, what do they have to always say? I controlled you your whole life, and I know you're an idiot, so therefore somebody else must be controlling you. It must be that punk boy on Sunday preaching at you. That's the wizard that got you now. Because I know you're a fool. Because I've been making a fool out of you your whole life. And now you woke up. So you must have went to somebody else. Because I can never say that you're free. You're so dumb, I take for granted somebody else is controlling you now. And instinctively, they won't like you. They hate this gospel because I tell folks, don't follow me. Don't follow nobody. Get to the Lord for yourself. And go for what you know. Some folk come here, you know, they get offended by that and they leave why? I don't want accountability. I do not want responsibility. I want to give my life over to a master pastor blaster and make him responsible and I just give him a tithe every week. He can become filthy rich for all I care. He can drive a Bentley, Rolls Royce, and a Maserati at the same time for all I care. As long as I'm not responsible. That's all I care about. Because I want to go to church and make it to the strip join by 10 o'clock. That's all I care about. I'm going to a Golden Oldies concert tonight with the OJs. So I got to be at church by 6 to make it down to the park to hear the OJs. Blue Magic, Stylistics, and the Dale Phonics. <laughs> <laughs> and I think the Temptations coming on late, the late show, they're going to be on. That's why people stay in religion. Because they don't want to come to Christ and be set free because they know now I got to serve God. They try to block God from their minds because they don't want to serve God. You, you don't want to be a hearer and a doer. I go to religion so I won't hear, so I won't have to do. If I never get the revelation, I won't have to do the revelation. So I separate from God and stay under religion and play like I'm saved. So truth is like a bright spotlight shining on them and they can't even see it. It's about that. Personality cults. They follow people. Follow behind folk like a zombie. 
the walking dead. All not to have to deal with Jesus myself. I built a shield between me and Jesus and made a person the shield that separates me. Look at this. He says, he said, I, I, I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Look at that. And profiting the Jews' religion above, above, above many of my equals to my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. That, that's, that'll get you right there. The traditions of your family, we all been Baptists, that'll kill you. Being zealous of the traditions of my fathers, I, I'll be Baptist born, Baptist bred, and when I die, I'll be Baptist dead. I'll never stop being a Baptist. Your grandmama tell you that? I'm a Baptist. Your granddaddy's name is on the foundation of that church. Right under that Masonic symbol. You know we all Masons too. And I'm an Eastern star. And you would dare let this fool tell you that the Masons are demonic? Our pastor is a Mason. Well, you said a whole bunch of nothing, but you and your pastor are both devils headed to hell. But when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, grace does what? Calls you. Unless God comes to get you, you can't get God. You didn't find Jesus. Jesus found you. He put somebody in your life to introduce you to himself. That's divine intervention. That old lady on the back of that bus, you go to work every morning, she always in your ear talking about it. Now, now, baby, you know you need to get saved. And, uh, you know, the Lord is calling you, baby. You know, you're out here in these old stilettos and short dresses going to your job. You know, are you a whore on the job? I know. But the Lord is calling you home, child. He's calling you home. You can't move up on that job with all that mess on you got on. Your hair looks real nice now. I like the waves in your hair and everything. But you'll go to hell with the waves in your hair if you don't repent. And you're like, what this old lady? The morning I get them here. Child, I bought you a little book. Read this book, too, called The Lord Trying to Show You Now, because the Lord is on your side, first of all. Them jokers on that job don't like you no way. They just want to use you. That's all they're there for. And they just talk in your ear. And then finally, one day, she penetrates. And the Lord's grace called you. What you was hating, you find out what you was hating, after a while, they become your best friend. Most of the time, did you not know that the person that irritates you most will be the closest friend of yours. Did you know that? Because the devil trying to put a barrier between you and them because they know if y'all got together, there'd be some power. So they'll, he'll make you not like, I don't like them. And that's the main one. Y'all know the girl, when she don't like the guy, that's the guy she want. He make me sick. Yeah, you love that guy, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Pastor Price. Pastor Gary C. Price, I agree with everything he talks about because he's all about getting to the Lord. One day, Sarah and I were, um, I think we were sitting in the car just counting how many people we actually invited to study in one year. And I mean, we would have had a full congregation if we had counted everyone who had ever came here and left. And I think he's right with some of the offending that we do for people is because you tell people to get to Jesus, and people don't want to be accountable with it. They really don't want to deal with that. And I think that's what scares a lot of people off, is that they have to know Jesus for real. There is no just sitting around playing. I mean, you learn within 15 minutes of being here that this is not your grandmother's church. This is not your grandfather's thing. You know, we're all about 
trying to get groomed and prepared, full of the Spirit, to do the will of the Lord. That is all we want to do right now. So, you know, the enemy, of course, will tell people, hey, man, you need to, you know, get out of here because, you know, they don't sound very loving. And, you know, we might come to the Lord wounded, but the only thing the Lord wants to do with the church is patch us up and put some armor on our butts and get us out there to do the will himself. Because right. some people just want to stay bleeding. They just want to stay wounded. I joined the church because I had a hard time in my life, and I just thought that everybody was going to love me here. And, you know, we got to really grow up and really know what it is to seek the Lord and do what he calls us to do. Because the Lord will patch people up. But there are some people that won't allow the Lord to heal them. They want to stay broken. They want to stay wounded. They don't want to get past that point. And the Lord is just not going to massage you in nothingness. It's not going to happen. So again, our subject is, you know, a church without spot or blemish. Let's go to Exodus 12. Because what we're going to understand, Exodus 12 and 1, is that the Lord never meant to have anything with spot or wrinkle. When you look at Adam and Eve, the Lord said that they were perfect that they were good, they were what he wanted them to be. So they were made in the image and likeness of God. They had his nature. So we're just going to look at a couple of things in Levitical law, or when the Lord was passing laws, just to show you that he never accepted anything without spot or blemish. I mean, with spot and blemish. All right, Deuteronomy 12 and verse, I mean, not Deuteronomy, Exodus 12 and verse 1, and it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you of uh, the beginning of, the, of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house, so a lamb per house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man, according to his eating, shall make your count for the lamb. So, you know, it had to be a right divide of lambs and things for the sins of people because, you know, this was how they were purged of sin. Look at verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Uh, ye shall take it out from the sheep or, or from the goats. So he's telling us there that he wanted a lamb without blemish. But like, like from the sheep, which would mean the Bible refers to us many times as Christina read. You know, many times he refers to us as, as his sheep. My sheep know my voice. You know, no man can pluck them out of my hands. So, you know, sheep are docile creatures that pretty much obey what they're being told to do. The Bible even spoke of us as being lambs led to the slaughter. We are laying our lives on the line to do the will of God to help redeem man and bring them into the kingdom. But he said, out of the sheep or from the goats. So he said, whichever you take them from, they have to be without blemish. So this is what he's saying. He will take a goat. And a goat is always referred to as that which is sinful, that which is hard-headed, that which is against God. I'll take one of them, but they've got to be without blemish, you know, to be accepted. So this is just the Lord making it clear that he never wanted anything with spot or blemish. Look at Deuteronomy 17. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 1. Are you done in Exodus? Yeah.
he says, Thou shalt not sacrifice unto the Lord thy God any bullock or sheep wherein is blemish or any evil favoredness, for that is an abomination unto the Lord thy God. So that tells us right there that you know how the Lord even talks about in so many different things when we go into Romans and you go into First uh, Corinthians chapter 6, it talks about all the sins of man. And he always ends it with, is an abomination before the Lord. So the Lord is always looking for sheep that are without spot or blemish, you know. And this is why we have grace, because if you look at the sheep that they used in Deuteronomy, those sheep weren't even allowed to be in, okay? There was no chance in changing them. If they had blemish, there was nothing you can do with them. You push them aside. But the Lord dealt with us differently. The Lord sent Jesus Christ to come to purge us of sin that we might be accepted. Grace is a teacher. Grace is to give us chance to change. Grace is not a membership card that we can point out and wear and say, I'm under grace. You know, read it. It's authentic. No, we've got to do what he's telling us to do that we may be made right. All right, so from here, let's move on. I just wanted to bring up that point. Let's go to John 3. And we'll start at verse 1. But the only reason that the church today is full of spot and wrinkle is because the church will not allow the Lord to change them. They want to stay the same. They enjoy their religious works. They don't want correction. And any church of God that's going to be governed is going to be governed by the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's it. Man, that's the last thing you want is to do your own thing before the Lord and you have a Nathan or Paul or somebody walk through that door because they will. You know, if you're doing anything, don't think the Lord won't send. If you're sitting there deceiving people, don't think that the Lord won't send one of his prophets in here one day. And you wonder, man, how do you know we were having a study? Because the Lord knows all things. And that person will come here and set things straight. Mm -hmm. Put you on blast as they say. <laughs> Imagine that, and the recorder is recording, you know, and they're telling you, you need to do this and that and that, you know, I mean, you don't want to fool around with God. Oh, no. I almost forgot where I was said to go. John 3 and verse 1. This is one of the biggest problems we have as a church. Um, it says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles except thou knowest, except thou doest, can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Well, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is making clear here that there has to be a transformation. This is most of why the church is full of spot and blemish, because people are trying to spend their times joining the church instead of being born into the church. We have to be born in. You are grown in through Christ, of the spirit, of the nature. If we aren't, then all you are is just a religious person sitting in a group of people, trying to do everything that you hear they do, but us ourselves never being born of the spirit. 
So that's something that we all need to encounter. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. So this week, I had a talk with a guy from the World Mission Society Church of God. I think he tried to set me up personally, but I'm not going to pass accusation. He first started when he messaged me saying, Man, can you explain this and that? Because um, I am beginning to see the deception in this religion, you know, that, you know, we really need to see the Lord. And he said, can you explain this? Because it's like they don't seem to know this and that. So I explained it to him and whatever, you know, and left it alone. Five minutes later, I get a message. Now you're wrong. And I'm like, wrong about what? You're wrong because you don't keep the Sabbath. Like um, like they keep it. So you see, it's not just them. You're wrong too. I said, show me in the Bible, in New Testament, where it says that we are to keep the Sabbath. I said, show me anywhere in command. So what did he do? He went to a verse that said, Paul appeared in the temple on the Sabbath as his custom always was. But the Bible says nothing about Paul worshiping on the Sabbath. Paul went there because that's where they were, to reason with them. He didn't go there to worship. He went where people go to preach the gospel. So then I told him, I said, hey, man, I said, if you want to keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath. And then I asked him, because the, the situation got kind of intense. I said, man, are you are you born again? Like, do you, do you, are you baptized in the Spirit? He said to me, he didn't even answer the question. He just went on to something else. And I said, because I want you to have an understanding that we are to obey what the Spirit tells us to do. That's why Jesus said, where the wind bloweth, where it listeth, so is everyone that is of the Spirit. Wherever there is a need for the kingdom of God to do what needs to be done, you got to do it. If you go according to the law of the Sabbath, then that means for a 24-hour period, you need to be in your house. If the Spirit tells you to go, you can't go. So, you know, I tried to tell him that Jesus said that... So I tried to tell them, excuse me, guys, I tried to tell them that, you know, Jesus made the Sabbath for man and not man for the Sabbath. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus did different things. But Jesus never gave us a commandment in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath. When it said, what must I do to be saved? They always said, if you are baptized in the water and in the spirit, you'll inherit the kingdom of God. What people need to understand is Jesus Christ is your Sabbath. Mm -hmm. If you read Romans 15, 1 through 5, it'll tell you that you are not to esteem any day above another. Okay, you can't tell people to worship on this day. Let every man be convinced in his heart the days that you want to worship. And I told him, I said, I worship Jesus every day. Mm -hmm. I said, so if you want to keep the Sabbath for a 24-hour period, then do so. But you've got to understand the Lord was a schoolmaster only until the coming of Christ. But people wanted it. So he's just arguing, arguing. Well, Jesus, they sacrifice bullocks every day, so that's no point. And I say, hey, man, whatever you want to do, that's okay with me. Okay? And then he, because I could tell he really didn't understand. He's just pushing his thing. So I said, read Hebrews 4, where it will tell you that for all those that were, you know, striving and doing their will, when you are in the Spirit, which is that number seven, in Christ, you are keeping the Sabbath. That is your rest. 
because it's no longer in your effort. It's in the power of the spirit. Mm -hmm. I'm telling him that and he just texting away, you know, telling me something else. I say, hey, man, do what you want, you know, but as far as I'm concerned, I can't entertain you with this. So, you know, these people are really on the letter, but they don't understand the spirit. But it says nowhere in the New Testament that we are to worship the Sabbath. Mm -hmm. The Old Testament will tell you why, because man needed to learn and to be trained to keep the Sabbath. They needed to learn how to love and worship God because they themselves were somewhat heathen just coming out of Egypt. So he was teaching them. It was a schoolmaster. But once you're in the spirit, no one has to tell you to worship God. You do what the spirit wills. Like Christina told me about you guys' experience when you guys went to go pray. That was the spirit telling you to do that. There was no on the fifth day at 12 p.m. that this is what I'm supposed to do. So you see, people are into the letter, but they're not yielding to the spirit. So when I asked him, was he born again? He never even answered the question. Mm -hmm. So that just told me right there, he's in the flesh. And that's okay. You know, if he wants to come to the spirit or learn more about, I told him, man, seek the Lord yourself. Mm -hmm. And he's still bringing me, you know, I'm going to put up a whole thing here about the Sabbath. I said, man, keep your Sabbath if that's what you want to do. I'm okay with that. All right, so this is what it means by where the wind bloweth, you know, that every man should, this is how the church should be. Yes, we can congregate and sit under the pastor and everything and, you know, let the gifts flow. You got your teachers, you got your evangelists, you got your prophets, everything. But then when it says break, everyone's doing the will of the Lord. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's not like, well, I need to call the pastor and see if I need to lay hands mm -hmm. on this guy. No, if the life of Christ is in you and the Spirit is telling you to do so, mm -hmm. then you do it. That is your obligation. Right. That's your responsibility to the body of Christ. And people don't understand that. Can I add something to yeah. that? Um, I was from listening to that deceit video that you gave me. Age of deceit, yeah. Yeah, um, it was talking about how like Adam was the first son of God. Um, mm -hmm. who was born of the flesh and then Christ came back and he was born of the spirit mm -hmm. and that's like being born again like that mm -hmm. I just thought that was really cool symbolism on how we are supposed to be born again mm -hmm. so to be perfect in Christ mm -hmm. and born into the church it's mm -hmm. not just but see Adam this is the, the messed up thing Adam was born of the spirit mm -hmm. Adam was the son of God mm -hmm. you know so I mean if, when you think about the things that Philip the evangelist did I don't know if you guys ever read that in Acts 8 but Philip baptized the eunuch and told him, you know, that he needed to see Jesus. After that, they said the Spirit carried him up the street. Yeah. So yeah. Philip, flew, Philip flew to the next situation. So what I'm saying is if Adam had the Holy Ghost, man, there was no telling his IQ. Mm -hmm. There was no telling what Adam could have done if he would have stayed in the Spirit. Man probably could have fought. He could have spoke te telepathically. You don't know. But, I mean, whatever Jesus did here... Man, Adam was, he was a work of art. I mean, he was, God was proud of them, you know, but they lost the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. So Christina is right. Jesus Christ came to give back that which was lost. Mm -hmm. From the beginning, mm -hmm. we were supposed to be like Christ. You know, he never made us differently than what we see today. Mm -hmm. All right. So if no one has anything to add. Um, I was just going to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just going to say. Mm -hmm. The whole, um argument thing about uh, the, the letter and everything um, bringing people under the law is that the children of Israel had that beast nature mm -hmm. that we have before we come to Christ and that, that schoolmaster was to get them out of that beast nature mm -hmm. to bring them back under Christ right. so they wouldn't have to you know constantly live under the law right. and then Christ came to fulfill that so that's what mm -hmm. the whole you know 
Let her keep it. Totally. And the law itself wasn't bad, but no man could keep it void of the spirit. That's what it was all about. You know, having the spirit. If you are that individual, then the law doesn't apply to you. If you're keeping the law, then the law doesn't apply to you. But if you're breaking the law, then yeah, we got a bunch of rules that you need to get right. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, Mm -hmm. you don't have to try and be what this book says. You become what this book says. Mm -hmm. So it's not, you know, you're of the nature. No one has to make you do it. No one has to crack a whip. Man, you need to do this. You want to do this because you have the nature of God. That's what he wants us to have. All right, so it says, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye have not our witness. And I, if I told you earthly things, and you believe not, How shall I tell you, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man can ascendeth up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. So you, Jesus is the way in more ways than one. Not only did he create all things, but he came out of heaven just to show us the way to go back. So there's nobody that can give you a description of what Jesus, I mean, of how to get there, how to be born of the Spirit. John says, I baptize in water. But when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in the Spirit. So what we're looking for from man, man can't give you. Man can tell you about Christ. Seeking Christ is up to you. And this is what the church is lacking. Because the church wants to either be someone in the church or you want to, you know, worship someone else. And... The Lord is not going to drop his spirit on an idolater. You have to seek Christ for yourself. You need to have a relationship with him. Mm -hmm. And this is why the spirit will not fall on the church. Jeremiah 3. Until Carlin's been doing a lot of fasting. (laughs) I know that love. Believe me. All he wants to do is fast every day. <laughs> yeah, that's a good feeling, man. I'm right there with you. You it's ain't like doing it alone. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, we actually want to, um, Christina suggested it. Yes, we can talk about this when we're not here, but, you know, start having group fast on specific days that everybody knows because, man, you know, there is power in unity. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what the Lord meant for the body to be like. All right, now here's a wicked society. This is Jeremiah 3 and verse 1. They say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers, yet return again to me, saith the Lord. So this is speaking about the idolatry of Israel. The Lord is saying, that if your land become, you can't jump between Christ and somebody else or something else. Because what ends up happening is the land becomes polluted. The Lord wants to deal with you and deal with you alone. If someone else is planting seeds in God's vineyard, then there's a problem there. You know, he can't produce. So it says in verse 2, Lift up thine eyes unto the high places and see where thou uh, hast not been lying with. Uh, in the ways uh, hast thou sat uh, for them as the Arabian in the wilderness, and thou hast polluted the land with thy whoredoms and with thy wickedness. 
Again, like we read in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Lord wants us to be blameless in soul, body, and spirit. If we can stop doing things in the flesh, that's just one part of sanctification, but our thoughts, mm -hmm. those are the biggest things. The Bible in James says, well, James says that every man is led away into sin when he is enticed by his own lust. So it begins in your thoughts. So if we are cleansed in soul and body, then we can be willing and fit for the spirit. Why? Because we're not doing the things or thinking the things that we had before. You can be an idolater and not have to touch a thing. If your mind is not on God and your mind is on the, the earthly things, the things of this world, who won the Super Bowl, this and that, and you're out there painting yourself half your face red and other half gold, and you're shouting and screaming and doing all this stuff, that's idolatry, man. You should get that excited for Christ if you're a Christian. So this is, this is why we don't have the energy to run to the things we need to run to because we're, we're too busy invested in the things that, that don't profit. Mm -hmm. You know, so you're only half full. Yeah, true. You know, so verse 3, and it says, Therefore the showers have been withholding, and there have been no latter rain, and thou hast a whore's forehead thou refusest to be ashamed. So you understand it begins in the thoughts. The latter rain, there were two rains that fell in Israel. The first rain was for the growing of the crops. The second rain was for the maturing of the crops. The growth in the crops would be your baptism by water, turning away from the world, accepting the Lord, and being fed by his word. When our obedience becomes fulfilled, or when Jesus sees fit, he's going to pour a fire baptism upon us, where we begin to speak with new tongues, where we lay hands on the sick and they recover, when the Spirit flows in us. So he's saying there's been no latter rain in Israel because these people are idolaters and they have a whore's forehead. You think like a whore. You know, and God is only coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle. He's not coming back for a harlot. He's not coming back to someone that loves the world. You're going to have to make a choice, and it's coming real soon. We are no longer going to be able to snuggle up and hide behind someone else's words or what someone else has said. We're going to have to be a living testimony for self. It's going to come down to, do you know Jesus Christ or you don't? Mm -hmm. And they'll be standing right there with the gun in their hand. All right? Now, you got a choice to either profess his name or go out cowardly. But it's going to come down to it. This world's going to be in darkness. There's going to be confusion. We're going to have to know, hey, man, I'm a worshiper of Christ. I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. This is what's going on. Repent and come to Jesus Christ. Right. Get your lives right. But we've got to be that light, that one little light where the wind's blowing. And it looks like, man, it's about to go out. But you've got to stand there in the faith and believe God. And he will add to your life. Mm -hmm. He'll give you what is necessary. So... We can't think like a whore and expect the Lord to give us what we need. We've got to think like the church of God, which is set to do the things of God. Yes, sir. And we really do have to hate our spiritual flesh. I mean, to the point where we just know that it just has a stench about it, that we want to have it persecuted off of us. Because that's when I think that the Lord really deals with us, is when we realize how stinking our flesh is and that's it's right. got to go. That's right. <laughs> and I think the, the closer we get in the spirit, the more you start to hate your own flesh. Yeah. This is why after day one, do you notice in day one, when you go to fast and you haven't fasted in maybe a week or so, that flesh day one, on. you even <laughs> wondering what's the point. Yeah. Why should I fast? I really want to get something to eat. I'll set it off tomorrow. <laughs> 
but then you do it, and you, man, the first day is always the hardest. Yeah. Second day starts to get a little easier. Third day, you have no intentions on coming off your fast. Why? Mm -hmm. Because you want, you can feel that other side pulling. Mm -hmm. You can feel that spirit telling you, man, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Keep pushing towards the mark. You know, let's go. Exactly. And you start to hate the flesh. That's why after your fast, you go and have a burger. And you're like, man, look at me. Eating a burger, man. You do. You feel like, man. Exactly. Go ahead and eat, you glutton. You know, because that's the spirit telling you, man, we had three more days and you couldn't go another step. So. That's the spirit pulling us and telling us that this is what uh, we need to do. Okay, from here, let's go to Ephesians 3. No, matter of fact, sorry. Isaiah 54 and verse 1. Since we're close, but But the Lord had even told Israel in Jeremiah 2. He said, man, like, get your act together. I'm married unto you. Like, in other words, the Lord has no, he does not want to quit on us. You know, he wants us to strive. Yeah. He's committed. Right? Yeah. We'll always quit on the Lord before you will ever quit on us. That's right. But I'm just saying, you know, the Lord, when he chose a bride, he didn't go, you know, into heaven or, or out of heaven and say, you know what, here's my bride right here. You know, he went down to the nasty whorehouse and found a tramp, you know, stamped and bruised and beaten and used and said, do you, do you want to be with me? Because I can take you from all this pain. I can fix you up. I can get you right. I can make you feel as if you were never touched. Think about them. Think about the love of God. He could have chosen anything. He could have said, you know what? I'm going to throw another flood out there and just wipe this clean. I'm going to build a new creation. Because this is what I want. I want something pure. But instead, he took what was pure and, and ended up defiled by its own desire and said, I'm going to make you right. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just the heart of the Lord, I'm married to you. Mm -hmm. I have no intentions on leaving you. Like, you know, this is, a, this is the choice that I've made. And all we're telling him is, I'm happy with who I am. You know, I'm not going to be ashamed of me. And we are wretched and I mean, just like I said, you don't think there's wretchedness in your life now? Mm. Ask the Lord to, to, to get inside your mind and pour out a lot of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. They may seem right to us completely, but man, there's so much that he's taken out of us, man. Even Paul knew he had not reached that level of perfection that, you know, there were things that had to be seen. The closer you get to God, he will take things off of us, but he's also going to reveal this is dirty. This is dirty. This is dirty. And it may not seem like it to us, but those are the sins that you're aware of. Let him show you the sins that you commit every day. Like when we're afraid to speak up. Now, the Lord knows that takes time. But, you know, he's telling you, hey, if you be ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. Right. So we've got a lot of work, and that's okay, because the Lord is willing to work with us. A good example of that is Hosea, when God that's right. the prophet to marry Mm -hmm. And ends up saving her. Mm -hmm. yeah. Melissa was talking about that too. <laughs> and he even told Hosea what was going to happen. She was going to run off on you again. Mm -hmm. These things are going to happen. But I want you to, to get an understanding of what I feel when you guys do wrong. Mm -hmm. And that helped Hosea to really preach a good message. Mm -hmm. That helped him to go out with that understanding. So in order to represent God, we've got to understand God and his ways. 
Yeah. And we, uh, I don't know I keep interrupting you. Yes, you do. <laughs> no, go ahead. It's but like you just said here, you know, Christ being married to his people and Christ being married to us is that patience. Mm -hmm. And that patience that he's shown towards us, he expects us to show it towards others. So we That's can't right. ever get so self-righteous that, you know, oh, well, mm -hmm. you know, I'm clean now, so mm -hmm. I've dealt with you for two weeks and you don't want to come to the Lord, so have it your way. Go to McDonald's or something. Exactly. But we can't. You know, and that's something that the Lord gives me at times. He's like, you know, if you want to give up on this person, I didn't give up on you. Mm -hmm. And that he just, he like hits me with that at times. Mm -hmm. Oh, me too. Believe me. Because, I mean, I was, I mean, real self-righteous. When it came to telling people, no, the Lord wants us to do this and that. This is a couple of years ago. The Lord wants, this is a desire that we should have and this and that. And people were like, you know. But yeah, it's God's grace and his love. And I'm like, yeah, but see, you're just trying to not do what the Lord said up until I had, you know, issues in my life. And I recognize this walk is harder than I thought it would be because now I need grace. Guess who messed up? Me. Now I need the Lord to come and help me out. But see, if I'm with the letter and I'm cold and I'm callous, now it's, hey, well, you got to be judged too. You know, so... Let's not fall on the wrong side of grace. You know, right. acknowledge what the Lord is doing with others and let's help them out because mm -hmm. we know we need it. Nobody ever just came and obeyed the Lord completely. Yeah. It's a process. Isaiah 54 and verse 1, and it says, Sing, O barren, that thou didst not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud that thou didst not travail with child. Uh, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married wife, saith the Lord. So this is true. This is also talking about the straight gate, the narrow gate. There are few Christians, believe it or not, we rarely ever meet one. That's how serious this thing is. Mm -hmm. The children of the desolate are everywhere. You've got tons of pretenders. You've got tons of unbelievers. But we very seldom run into Christians, mm -hmm. people that are in it for real, full of the Spirit, and mean business. There are a lot of people that have been filled in the spirit. They let their candle burn out, and they're just like everybody else. And they can tell you, there was a time I talked in tongues. Man, I was on fire for Christ. I did all of this. And they're talking about what once was instead of, why aren't you doing this now? Why did you let your fire burn out? So the Lord has to, you know, ignite that spark in them again. Because believe me, you've got a lot of people that spoke in tongues that have been in the spirit. But it's what you do with that. It'll right. fall away just like everything else if we don't use what we're given. Yeah. The Lord only gives us these things in order to use them. Mm -hmm. All right, verse 2. Enlarge the place of thy tent, and let them stretch forth the curtains of thy habitation. Spare not, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy sakes. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. So you see these people inherit the Gentiles. This is talking about a time when it won't just be with Israel. Like the Lord said, there would be other people that were not of Israel that would receive the Lord, that would have it right. Then it says in verse 4, Fear not, for thou shalt not be ashamed, neither be thou confounded, for thou shalt not be put away to shame, for thou shalt forget the shame of thy youth, and thou and shalt not remember the reproach of thy widowhood anymore. So the Lord is saying, you might be like this now, but I'm going to make you over again. 
This is the best deal going on. Look at what we've done to ourselves. Look at what the church has become. And the Lord is saying, I can make you like new. As if you had never sinned. As if you had never been touched. And we still fight the Lord. People still don't want this. Verse 5. For thy maker is thine husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And thy redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The God of the whole earth shall be he shall he be called so this is jesus christ that they're talking about the maker is our husbandman this is jesus christ so when people want to talk about jesus wasn't the god of the old testament yeah there's god the father here too but this is clearly speaking of jesus mm -hmm. who made all things and all he wants is his creation to do is be married to him he said it to israel he said it to the church well i mean even jesus said with his own words in the New Testament that he was from the beginning. Mm -hmm. People just didn't want to hear that. That's right. Let's go to Colossians 1 and verse 15. We'll start there. Believe not. I don't even know if it's safe to turn my phone back on. <laughs> but the Lord will have his church. You know, we just have to be accounted worthy to be in the church. I'm having trouble getting around today. I don't know why. All right, Colossians 1, we'll start at 15. 15. This is the husband. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. So it says here, Right back in verse 18, he is the head of the body, the church. If Jesus Christ is not your head, then you don't have a church because the only church that exists is one that is governed by the spirit of Jesus Christ, the Holy Ghost. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. So how are you going to try and have a church without Christ? How can you be a Roman Catholic praying to Mary, knowing that the Father only put his fullness in Jesus Christ? So this is where a lot of people get deceived and they get lost because they like the feeling of being in a church of God, but they're not doing what the Lord is saying to do, and that is to put Jesus before all. I mean, they have no fear of God whatsoever. The Pope calls himself the Vicar of Christ. He's the spokesperson for Christ. You know, I mean, that, those are brave words. But that's what you would expect from the Roman Empire, because that's all they are. You know, no Roman emperor ever considered himself uh, just a regular man. They considered themselves like gods, that they were above all. So why should them, the way they treat Jesus, be any different? What's that? It's right. You know, so all right, verse 20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him... I say whether they be things in, in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind, 
by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled. So you see, even in your mind, that's where it begins, that we were enemies, and he's reconciled. And look at the second part. In the body of his flesh, through death, to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. So first he talked about the mind being transformed. Then he talks about in his body that he would present us holy and unblameable. So he's dealing with the, the soul and he's dealing with the body. You see how this comes up here? Mm -hmm. Verse 23, if ye continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which ye have heard, and which was preached to every creature, which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, to fill up that which is behind, and um, um, the afflictions of Christ in my flesh, for my body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me uh, for you to fulfill the word of God. So you see, from the body unto the soul, now he's talking about the sufferings that the Lord had chosen him to be a minister. So when the Lord chooses you to be a minister, you're no longer dealing with flesh and soul. Now we're going into the spirit. Look at verse 26. Even the mystery which hath been hid from the ages and, and from generations, but now is made manifest by his saints. What's the mystery of God? The Holy, Spirit. the Holy Ghost. To whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, and this mystery among the, um, the Gentiles, which Christ in you, the hope of glory. So you see, going from soul, I mean, going from flesh into soul, then having the mystery given to his saints. So you see, if you've got the Holy Ghost, then you are a saint of God, which means to be separated unto him. Mm -hmm. So if the church, if we're not doing this as the church, we've still got some work to do. Mm -hmm. But this is the ecclesia. These are the called out ones. Mm -hmm. Those who have given their lives over to Christ and stayed in him, whom we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. So do we understand that if we are not preaching the gospel or doing what the Lord has called us to do to every man, then that means that there will, there will be people that will not be made perfect because we have not done our job. Mm -hmm. This is how fast you can lose your seat at the marriage supper. And this is why when Christians want to believe that we can just sit and wait and do absolutely nothing and be entertained, the Lord is telling you that we have a job to do that others may hear the gospel. Right. Why should you get in if you're not doing any work for Christ? Why are you allowed to come in and do what you want? That work doesn't even go that way. If you don't show up for work, you don't get paid. If you don't have sick days, then there's nothing we can do for you. What you put in is what you get out of. There's no one going to give you a diploma for doing absolutely nothing. It's for those who were disciplined, who went through their courses, who finished school and moved on. So this is what we're all supposed to have. Let's go to Mark 16 in verse 15. I know we go here a lot, but... And the Lord is just telling the church, man, instead of being afraid of man, be afraid of me. Right. And all we got to do is step out on faith. I don't right. care if you walk out there with your knees knocking together. Like, you know, you look like you're knock-kneed because you can't. You're afraid. 
Man, go out there in faith. The Lord just wants you to open your mouth. He'll take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. But why should the Lord put his spirit on us if we're not at war? There's no need for you to have it. I'm going to use the discernment of spirit to see what TV show I want to watch. I mean, come on, man. You know, he's calling for more. That's right. Mark 16, verse 15, and he said unto them, Go ye into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. So that's a commandment. That's not a request. Verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. So the Lord is saying, don't try and convince people. Preach the gospel and whomsoever will come to it. So you're going to get rejected a lot. Jesus said we're going to be hated because we're pursuing him. That's just something that happens. All right. But the point is, is we're doing our job before him. Then it says, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. Take up serpents means to cast away serpents. Like in other words, things or demons or spirits that are of the devil that we will be able to take up and cast aside. If there's any spirit that's in your place that shouldn't be here, mm -hmm. all right, now that you're in here, you need to get out of my house. Mm -hmm. And now, so the Lord is saying, you'll have the authority to throw aside serpents. Mm -hmm. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. So, hey, there's a lot of deceitful people out there. There's a lot of evil people. Mm -hmm. You sit there, you go to a restaurant or whatever to drink, someone may even hear of your, you know, relationship with Christ. They may go to the back of the restaurant and put something in it. You know, to teach you a lesson. You've seen stranger things happen, busted on the job, and people do things to hurt you. But the Lord is saying, no need to worry. You're wearing your armor, and the Spirit will see to it that you won't be hurt. Mm -hmm. Then he says, then they shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So the Lord is telling them that this is what needs to be. If we want these things, I do believe, yes, fasting and prayer is so important, but we need to go. We need to test this and see if this is true. We need to get out there and minister to everybody we know. If you don't think the Lord won't show up, take him at his word and see. But this is one reason why the church is not receiving the power of the Spirit. Because the church doesn't want to do anything. The church opens their doors and whomsoever will come in. The Bible didn't say that. The Bible says, go and preach the gospel to every creature. So there, there are people outside of the church, homeless, asking for money that I've seen people walk by and go to church, not even give them a dime, not even preach to them, not even say, hey, come on in. What they do is, oh, he stink, you know, he's nasty, he's this, he's that. So the church's heart needs to be in the right place with the Lord in order to have these things because the Lord just gave a commandment. This is what needs to be. Go and preach the gospel. Why we haven't seen this is because we haven't gone. All right, and just a little bit of victories that we may win, then good. Build up to the point to where try and talk to one person every day about the Lord. I don't care if it's someone sitting next to you or coming, you know, just walking in. You might be leaving work and you're going to see people. Man, go and just say, hey, can I, excuse me, can I ask you a question? Have you accepted Jesus Christ? And, you know, I mean, you know, just see what you can get going. You're going to get rejected by some. There are some that may say they already believe is good. Now you can talk to them. You've just gained another person that's in Christ that you can build with. But either way, let's test that theory one a day. Two people, three people. I try with at least one person every day. Now there are days when I'm not doing this. So, you know, we just want to work up that repetition. Man, just speak to somebody. 
I don't care if it's an old lady or whatever, man. Just go and do it. See if the Lord is real. We can't trust him on shore. We need to swim. Verse 19. Mm -hmm. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So what does it take us to do to have this in us? Be at war. How are we at war? Preach the gospel. That's all it takes. The Lord is the Lord didn't say if you fast and you pray, you'll have this power. He fasted and prayed to subdue the flesh so that the spirit would come on him strong. But all he's saying is, man, go and do it. Go see, because the Lord may put you in front of someone Hungarian that you don't even know the language. But he's going to give you another tongue. Why? Because this person needs to hear the gospel. So he's going to work in willing vessels. And if the church thinks that they can go on without this, they're mistaken. Mm -hmm. Because all he wants us to do is be active members. If we want the treasures of God, then we have to mine and we have to dig. Let's go to Ephesians 3. I don't even know what time it is. This is a long study today. Mining and digging means having a deep relationship with the Lord, not superficial. That's right. There you go. Amen. But this is the only church that exists, and people will fight it tooth and claw. I don't want to be told what to do. Gary Price wasn't joking when he mentioned, you know, some people... He can drive a Beamer, Maserati, or whatever, all at the same time. As long as I'm not accountable, this is right for me. But we do have to be built up, too. So I'm not saying to anybody that you don't just go out there and do whatever. This is if you believe God. If you don't believe God, then don't even waste your time. Because everything that we do is in faith. That which is not of faith is of sin. So you have to believe God and go out there and do it. You said, uh, I don't remember what study it was, but the... The Lord's already put the treasure in us. We just have to dig it out. That's right. That is right. Yeah. All right, a few. Hmm? No, it was a couple months ago. We said that a few times. Yeah. I mean, clearly. I don't know. <laughs> it's on some video somewhere. But, but it says, I think it was said at the conference, too. It was. It I think so, yeah. Okay. okay. Towards the end. <laughs> All right. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, uh, if ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore, uh, to, to, view, uh, to few words, whereby when ye read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. So you see? He's talking about the Holy Ghost, mm -hmm. verse 5, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So the only way to get deep into the Lord is be of the Spirit, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow, fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. So the Lord just says here, or Paul says, that the Gentiles would be fellow heirs of the same body. Now you go to redeem and you tell him something, and right away it's all about, no nah, man, it's about Israel. These people may get in by adoption. He said fellow heirs, as if we are also of the inheritance. 
So you see how people can read the gospel and read over it with preconceived notions. Mm -hmm. According to him, only black people are going to be saved. See, this is how your mind can be warped because you haven't had, you haven't repented before the Lord. You were hearing what you want to hear. These are the people with itching ears. This is why people think that T.D. Jakes and Joe Osteen and these guys are real men of God. Because they're, they're tickling ears. People are, well, you meet my need. I don't have to totally repent. I can go to Joe Osteen's church, believe I'm a Christian, hear prosperity gospel, and receive that as if it was the real gospel. So you see, our hearts have to be made right in order to hear the, the gospel. Verse 7, whereof I was made a minister according to the gift of grace of God, given unto me by the effectual working of his power, of the Holy Ghost. Verse 8, unto me who, le who am less than the least of all saints is the grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Can you imagine the unsearchable riches of Christ? Like we, like Christina brought up earlier and like we were talking about, about being closer to the Lord and the Lord giving us that buried treasure. Man, there is nothing greater than this. Imagine you being caught up to the third heaven to hear a revelation from the Lord. I mean, you know, and you, you turn that in just to sit there and get some hallelujahs and amen and a dead corpse that don't even know about baptism of the spirit. So this isn't a group salvation. We have to seek the Lord ourselves. Man, there's nothing greater than this. The Lord speaking to you mm -hmm. and telling you what to do. Mm -hmm. This is what we need. Verse 9, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world have been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ. So he said fellowship with um, of the mystery. So the truest church that exists, the church without the Holy Ghost is not the church at all. You have to have the spirit grown in you to be a member of the church. That is the only church that the Lord Jesus Christ has recognized. That is the only church that exists is one that is governed by the spirit. They were not the church of God until Acts, the second chapter, when the spirit fell on them and they began to do the things that he told them to do. So that's what's important. We got to move on because it's getting late. Let's go to First um, Peter, chapter two. And it's really not hard, you know. If we receive the Spirit of God, if we pray to be filled, and we're baptized in the Spirit, man, this is not hard work. You know, if anyone has ever prayed in tongues, you know that that's not your endurance that's going forward. You're just there. That, that's one of the true times when you really do feel like a vessel. That is one of the true times when the Spirit comes upon you where you're just here. And the Lord is speaking. And you're like at his leisure. You're like, you know, subject to him. That you're continuously praying and you're just, you don't know what's coming out. But you know that the Lord is drawing from you that which he put in you. And that, you see, when you're in the spirit, you really do recognize that you're a vessel. Because you know it didn't come from you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you know that he's telling you what to do. All right, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1, and it says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. So Peter here is just taking us out of malice, 
We can't be deceitful. We can't be hypocrites. We can't envy what others want. And we can't speak evil. As newborn babes. So he has just taken us from the first part. Now he's going into two. So now that we've put that aside, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby, if so be that um, ye have tasted of the Lord as gracious, to whom coming as um, unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. So you have been forsaken of men, not even what the what the Lord wants, what the world wants, but the Lord has taken you as a babe bringing you in, you know, with him, with his grace, with his love. And and we consider the Lord precious and the Lord considers you precious. You're something that he's using. You're someone. Verse five, ye also as lively stones. So Jesus is that stone, the you know, cornerstone, and we are lively stones, are built up in spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So when we become sanctified and we get the things that are necessary out of our lives, if we're not doing anything in chapter one, then we become fit to pray. Okay. And in that temple, we offer sacrifices unto the Lord. And along with that, we are lively stones. So the church of God, the house of God, the people of God, we move around. We're not people that are just stuck to a building on Sundays is where we meet, and that's the church. So you see how the spot and wrinkle had come upon the church that have people think that it's just a stable building. When you come in there, you're in the church. When you're not in there, you're not in the church. No, the church of God are those who carry the spirit that do the will of God. Verse 6, Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion, which is Zion, a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallow, the same is made the head of the corner. So there's no getting around Jesus Christ. If you don't believe him, he's your worst nightmare. If you believe him, he's your best friend. That's pretty, that's pretty much how it goes. You can deny Jesus all you want in this life, but when you cross over, there's no unbelievers beyond the grave. Mm -mm. Everybody knows on the other side that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for them, it's too late. And you don't want to get caught up in that. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. I mean, and this is something that I had to deal with in my life, that the ways of a transgressor is hard. When you know the right way and you choose to go otherwise, man, it is hard. You think that you're getting over, but you're not. Because you're being reminded of the way that you have to go. Not only that, there's more stuff in your life that needs to be pulled out. So all you did was hinder the walk that you have to take. Right. Okay, so that just makes it difficult on you instead of just pursuing the Lord and going forward. Hebrews chapter 10. Get two more, and I think you know you have to stay in this. And I know we heard a lot today, and you know that's what's really important.
good boy. Hebrews 10, and we'll go to 35. No, let's start at 34. For ye had compassion of me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an um, enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done of the will of God, ye might receive the promise. So you see, we're going to have to have the fruit grown in us. We're going to have to be patient before the Lord to receive the promise. Now, this promise in particular, he's talking about his eternal life. Because you can't do any of this stuff without the Spirit. Verse 37, For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So you see, your soul is not completely saved. Like he said seven times to seven churches, he that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. The Bible says in Psalms and other scriptures, this race is not to the swift. It's going to take endurance. There are a lot of people that come into this, and we've seen a lot of people go. So let's go to uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. You know, we spent a lot of time in Peter. Because Peter might be a small epistle, but I tell you what, it is packed with goods. You get a lot in Peter, man. It's like, man. Like my whole Peter is highlighted. I know, my <laughs> yeah, seriously, like he just like puts it all together. That's the spirit. All right, um, First Peter. Did I say Second Peter? Yeah. Uh oh. I meant First Peter. No, no, no. Second Peter. Sorry, guys. Second Peter three and verse one. Yeah. Because I have both of them down, so I was like, hey. oh yeah. All right. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance. You see how the Lord is always dealing with the mind because that is the stronghold that the enemy always attacks. Your mind, will, and your emotions. That's right. Verse 2. That ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and, of the Lord and Savior. So he's saying, I'm bringing these things to your remembrance. Remember the prophets. Remember what the Lord said. We're only reading this that we may know, you know, that we may have more faith. You know, these guys in many ways are our role models, but Jesus is the role model. If you want to be like anybody, be like Christ. Because those um, prophets were like Christ. Verse 3, knowing this first, and there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, uh, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. So you see, we've got to cling fast to the faith because people are going to mock your God. But the Bible is telling you why. These people are after their own lust. So people will tell you, All right, so if Jesus Christ is going to come back, when is he coming? 
Don't get tied up in that. Believe he's coming and preach the gospel. Whomsoever will receive it. But, you know, there are things that need to be fulfilled in Scripture before the coming of Christ. We can tell people that. If they choose to believe it, they will. If they won't, they won't. Verse um, 5. For this they willingly are ignorant of, um, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. We got a good teaching coming up in a week and a half as far as this is concerned. It's going to be the whole thing on the earth, the creation, all that stuff tying together. The Lord said the earth was standing out of the water and in the water. But yet a scientist would tell you ain't nothing out there but blackness. It's going to be a good study. Verse 6, whereby the world that, that then was uh, being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of the ungod of ungodly men but beloved be not ignorant of this one thing that one day um, is with the lord as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day so he was just talking about those who were disobedient who weren't following him the ungodly but he's telling the beloved don't be ignorant of this if you've done anything in your past that you think God forgot about, it, it, it's like it just happened yesterday. So we need to make it right with him because God doesn't forget. And our little time bubble that we live in, that's just a twinkle. That's a vapor. The Lord sees the beginning from the end. So, you know, don't think you're getting away. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises. As some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So you see, the Lord is out for everyone to repent. If the Lord promises you, that he will do. He holds his word above his name. So we got to stand fast in the faith and not feel like the Lord had given up on us. Verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heaven shall pass away, with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also, and the works that are therein shall shall be burned up. I like what Colin presented at the conference concerning the word fervent, because, you know, that's what it's really all about. Now, they're using this word again to describe fervent heat. Like, I mean, it's going to be intense. You've got to be crazy, Peter is saying, if you want to hang on to this... <laughs> knowing that the day of the Lord is coming. Why not repent and be made right so we can be at that marriage supper? Verse 11, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye, ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto uh, the coming of the day, the coming of the day of, of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Um, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found in him in peace, without spot and blameless. And account that of, of the long suffering of our Lord um, is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, 
also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all the um, in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, and they do also the other scriptures uh, unto their own destruction. So, you know, understanding Paul, what he's saying is Paul will, I'm not saying Paul is confusing, but Paul speaks to, in many cases, people that are learned, that are matured in Scripture, because the unlearned people will, I mean, I've seen Paul misquoted so many times where people don't even have an understanding of what he means. His writings are kind of hard to understand. Maybe it's because of his education. You know, I don't know that which he suffered, but, you know, they've been trying to call Paul a heretic for a long time. And if you are a part of any church that is telling you that Paul's a heretic, Peter here disproves it, calling him our beloved brother Paul. So obviously Paul had to be righteous. But they'll tell you that Paul's a heretic. He was a deceived Jew, like Gary Price said. So if you got anybody preaching that, back up off of it, because the Bible says otherwise. Mm -hmm. All right, we are going to finish. I do want to cover Matthew 25 real quick. And then we're going to end in 2 Peter chapter 2. Matthew 25. So the Bible says the same thing, without spot or wrinkle. You know, that's what the Lord is coming back for. Even though we might be without spot or wrinkle, the completion won't be until we're given the glorified bodies. If God is bringing a new heaven and a new earth, you know, then how is he going to have an old you coming into the kingdom? Right. Everything is going to be made new. Oh, man, my stomach. Man. Hopefully you guys don't hear it. This is growling. <laughs> you need to eat. Is that you or Max? <laughs> You're funny. That's the spirit. <laughs> All right, Matthew 25 and verse 1, and it says... Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. So remember, these were ten virgins. The Bible makes clear. The Bible doesn't say five virgins and five whores. The Bible says ten virgins. So these are people that were in the process of being built up. Okay, so these people were somewhat serious is what you would say today. Mm -hmm. They were all virgins. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Uh, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. So this is clearly speaking of one group that let their fire burn out because they thought they have arrived. They've achieved a certain mark. I've made it. No need for fasting. No need for prayer. No need for relationship with the Lord. I've arrived to the point where I speak in tongues. I've laid hands on the sick. I've done all these things. There's no need to keep up under this body. I am a virgin. Okay, so this is what these people believed. And then the others were like, man, I'm fasting and praying. I'm staying right. I'm keeping the fire lit. I'm doing everything that Jesus Christ said to do to be prepared to come. Verse 5. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out and meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. 
And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us um, of your oil, for your lamps are gone out. I mean, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. So clearly the foolish have run out of oil. The wise have kept their oil in their lamps. They kept the spirit. They kept the Lord with them. But notice they said, we have not enough for you and me. Okay, so like the Bible says, we have to work out our own salvation through much much fear and trembling. Just because we're the church of God doesn't mean we're all saved, you know, together. Hey, if you didn't do what was necessary, there's nothing I can tell you. I mean, it could even be me on that last day. Let's just say I decide to fool around and do some stupid things. That last day, we're all together, and I come to you guys. Hey, guys, um, I don't have enough oil. Do you guys have any you can spare? Now, you guys may say, well, Derek did help out. No. Hey, I ain't got enough for you. You know, I'm sorry. I know that we used to kick it, but this is the last day. I can't help you out. What are you going to do, trade places with someone in hell? You can't do that, man. You know, you just got to go forward. So this is how personal it's going to have to be to pursue Jesus Christ. You can't save your kids. You can't save your husband and wife. None of this stuff is going to matter. You think people are going to hang with you in this. Wait till it comes down to the time of Jesus coming and watch who leaves who. Only thing you're going to be doing is praising the Lord that you've got enough to get in. You can't be concerned for those who didn't make it. The Lord spoke to them just like he spoke to you. Some had taken it serious. Some played around. That's how personal this thing is going to be. Tying it back to our first um, scripture went over, the Thessalonians mm -hmm. um, quenching your, the, uh, Quench the, spirit. the spirit. And That's people right. People weren't prepared. You know, That's they quenched right. it. They didn't have the oil. And that's what people are going to lack. I mean, verse 10, so it says, um, is it 10? Yes. Mm -hmm. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in uh, with him in the marriage, I mean, up to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. As we read in First Thessalonians 5, the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night. And, you know, you don't have to wait for the appearing of the Lord to see this. All we got to do is die. Mm -hmm. Because that is the end of your story. Either you got enough in Christ or you don't. So this is something that, you know, it's going to sound sad that Jesus, Sarah and I were talking about this one night. I think she picked me up from work and... We were heading back, and I'm at Sherry's getting a burger. But I'm like, you know what? Um, it's going to be scary that mm -hmm. this Jesus that loves us, that, you know, before him, the Father is there, the angels are there, and they go through the book of life, and names are not added to it. And you're expecting Jesus to say, you know, all you had to do was listen. The Lord has been so merciful, so loving, so caring, pleading with us through our entire existence, just to pursue him. At that point, there's going to be no more talking. Can you imagine him looking at you with eyes as a flame of fire, just as serious and, you know, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's it. There's not going to be anything like, all right, we need to talk this thing out. 
well, look, I, I don't want you to be there, but that's what he's doing now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when the time comes and it's all over, man, he's going to say, I don't know you. Away from me, ye that work iniquity. And believe me, you will move. Either he's going to wave his hand and you're going to go flying, or those angels are going to come and remove you. But there's going to be no more negotiating. That's what's so frightening about this thing is that he's pleading with the church. He's pleading with us. Get to know me. And, and see, if we got fear of this, then we should have enough fear for more prayer. We should have enough fear for more obedience. We should have enough fear to go out and preach the gospel. Because, man, when it is all said and done, he's coming back for a church without spot or blemish. Second Peter chapter 2, and we'll close. He ain't coming back for a harlot. He chose the harlot. But he brought the harlot only to be made right. Right. I mean, what love, what mercy. Yeah, a good study on Tuesday, too. It's going to be almost like a part two to this. It's going to be different. Second Peter chapter 2. This is the whole story right here. All right. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Remember, the Lord ain't slacking his promises. People want to play around. He's coming, so we got to make sure that we're right. But you see, these teachers bringing in damnable heresies. This is one other reason why the church has blemish and spot. Why? Because they're not pursuing Christ. All you've got to do is read this Bible. That You can't blame any pastor for deceiving you. The Lord is going to tell you, you had the word of God in your lap. You should have checked and saw if it was real. So don't blame him. I'm going to deal with him. But that doesn't excuse us. And that's the part that we have to get right. I don't care how much I like Gary Price and Derek Prince and all these guys. Man, when I listen to them, Bible open. Checking them with the word of God. You can't afford to get this wrong. Because no man is without mistake. But, I mean, only Jesus is perfect. Mm -hmm. Okay? Verse 2. And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. Anytime the Bible uses the word many... It is always in a negative fashion. It is always the majority that is not pursuing Christ. All right, verse 3. And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, um, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. So the Lord is saying, while they're sitting there deceiving people and making money, using people, the Lord is, you know, he's never forgot his promise. Verse 4. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So he's making it clear here. If the Lord did not spare the angels that sinned, now the angels were in heaven. They made a choice to leave their estate, to come down here and fool around with man. 
So the lust got the better of them. The Lord didn't say, wait a minute, you're my angels. He said, hey, you guys know. So if he didn't spare them, he's not going to spare you and me. He, I mean, in Noah, he drowned the whole world and saved Noah and his kids. So don't think that the, the Lord is into numbers. Mm -hmm. Well, Lord, there's still a lot of people, you know, give us time. I'm going to give you time, but when I'm coming, I'm coming. And it's like the old saying goes, ready or not, here I come. All right, verse 6. I think it's 6, yep. Mm -hmm. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an, an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. So don't think that we can be partakers of those who are in sin and think it won't have some effect on us. Okay, Lot was a righteous man. The Bible's making it clear here, but he fed on the world. And you see, he, he's mentioning Sodom and Gomorrah. This is 2,000 years after Sodom and Gomorrah. The Lord hadn't forgotten. So for those people who want to make the Queen James Bible and consider themselves members of the church, Queen James Bible takes out all the things concerning homosexuality, and they're trying to make it like it's a real Bible. It's a white Bible with a rainbow cross across, you know, over it. But they think by coming up with the LGBT church, that somehow they're worshiping the same God and they're going to be accepted. You're kidding yourself. The Lord is coming for a church without spot or wrinkle. That means that's for us who are in fornication. That's for us who lie. That's for us who steal, for us who do dirt. We are numbered amongst them if we won't change and let the Lord work with us. Yep. Yeah. Verse, 12, verse 10. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, that they are not afraid to speak evil of dignity. So you understand? This is why you can have a pope say what he says and, you know, have no fear of God. This is why Mormons can believe the things that they believe. Jehovah Witnesses believe that the Watchtower Tract Society are the only people that know the word of God. How they can corrupt the Bible like that. Think that they're working on God's word. Deceive people and have no fear of God. Why? They despise government. They despise the Lord telling them what to do. They want to go off and do their own thing. You know, verse 11. Whereas angels which are greater in power and might bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. So even the angels with their power and might know you don't want to fool around with God. We saw what he did to those first angels. Even they aren't gutsy enough to say the things that even man who's supposed to be made in the image of God says. But look at 12. This is the whole point. But these are natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed. Speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. So you see, man without God is a beast. If you don't want God's correction, the only thing left for you is to be a beast. Verse 12, and shall receive the reward of the unrighteous, and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness, the reward of unrighteousness, as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime, spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. 
So people that can sit there amongst you and think they're in the whole time and can be out. People that are there that believe that what they're doing is godliness. Like there are some people that will say, uh, the only reason that I, you know, I can enjoy my life and do what I want, but I can have God too. You can't. If God is not a part of everything you do, if I'm going to join the NFL, the only reason I'm joining the NFL is right after a game, there will be thousands, millions watching, and I'm going to tell them about the Lord of glory. That's right. Okay, that's that's what you can use that for. If you're not doing that, the Lord doesn't care anything about your career because it's doing nothing to glorify him. This is you trying to have your world and your riches outside of Christ. See, Tim Tebow did this. And you see what he got? Kicked off the team. All these things happened to him. There's nothing that happened to Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson married Sierra. Okay, that ought to tell you what man of God he is. He married a woman from the world that does all sorts of ungodly things. He claims that he prays with people and does all of this, but he's still living his life. See, there are ways that people, if you're really someone of Christ, the devil is going to come looking for you. Russell Wilson probably said some things, but you see, he's still in his riches. He ain't talking about God that much now, if you notice. Mm -hmm. See, that whole flame died down. Because that was only a gimmick to get people to believe that, okay, he's a man of God. We can follow him, but he's not really in it. But poor Tebow, man, they destroyed this guy's career. And he still kneels down before every game, worshiping Jesus Christ. You know, this is something to think about. All right, verse um, 14. We're, we're just about done, guys. Having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin beguiling unstable souls and heart of in heart they have exercised with covetous practices cursed children so like i said we've got to guard our minds and our hearts we can't tell people we love them if we're fornicating with them because we're damning people to hell people are damning us to hell if we're holding back truth and deceiving others you can't love that person because your heart's not with the lord Verse um, 15, which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Now, everybody knows the doctrine of Balaam and all that stuff. Balaam um, was a man who learned from Balak, or Balaam is a man who taught Balak, if you want to beat the children of Israel, get these beautiful Moabite women and bring them into town. Once the children of Israel become ungodly and start pursuing me, you know, and start pursuing um, their own lust, now you can bring in the Philistines to wipe them out. Why? Because they're not following God. So as long as the church follows the Lord, we are unbeatable for Christ. The Lord will see to it that nothing go that happens to you. I'm not saying we won't die or be persecuted. I'm saying that the will of God will be fulfilled because we're strong in Christ. The truth is being there. All right, verse 17. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with a tempest and whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. So wells without water, no Holy Ghost. And the only thing reserved for them is the outer darkness. So we need the Holy Ghost in order to make it in. 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they are lured through the lust of the flesh 
through much wantingness, like much wrongful desires and greed, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is um, overcome of the same as he brought into bondage. So in other words, there are people like Joel, Steen, and these guys, hate to keep bringing them up, but when they are supposed to be freeing the people, all they're doing is binding, binding them with other chains of the world, keeping them from the cross, keeping them from the desires that the Lord wants them to have. So they're captors instead of those who were pushing freedom, which is only freedom in the spirit. That's right. Uh, verse 20. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end um, is worse um, with them than the beginning. So the Lord is saying, man, once you've escaped and you've got out, we've already done this before in Luke 11, when the Bible says that when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he walketh in dry places seeking rest and finding none. So the devil, the devil will double back on that individual. He'll triple back on you, really. I mean, he'll just go and go. When Jesus was in the wilderness, he fasted for 40 days. The Bible did not say, and the devil left him alone for good. No, it said the devil left him alone for a season, meaning that the devil, will, the, the devil will double back. And this is something we ought to know so we're not deceived. If you think you've gotten rid of the devil, you haven't. He'll always be walking in with you. He'll always be trying to talk to you. He'll always try and bring people into your life to get you to fall. So we've got to be aware of this, and this is what keeps us leaning on Christ. Because the moment we think the devil is gone and we've got this thing, Believe me, the wisest of men the devil has made foolish. Look at Solomon. All the wisdom that he had in this world. All that he knew. But yet the women turned his heart from the Lord. That's all it takes. So if we have escaped and we go back into this, the later state of us will be worse than the first. 21. For it had been better for them to not have known the way of righteousness then after they have known it, to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But if but it is happened unto the according of the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed um, to her wallowing in the mire. So he's saying you be dogs and pigs. If you leave the world and you come to the Lord and we give that up and we go back, is just the same as a dog eating his own vomit. Exactly what Satan did. Lucifer, you know? Yeah. You know, he left what he had, and there was no coming back for him because he knew. He made a willful decision. So we got to understand grace and what the Lord wants us to do. If we're not helping to build the kingdom of God, then we're scattering. All the church is supposed to do is, you know, have the reflection of Jesus Christ on us. This is only about uplifting Jesus. If we're in this for any other purpose other than to uplift Jesus Christ, then we're scattering the kingdom. Mm -hmm. We're in this for things that have nothing to do with the will of God. So mm -hmm. these are things that we ought to remember so we can stay on the side of that which is righteous. But we cannot believe that the church can have spot or blemish and get in because mm -hmm. we won't. God is true to his word and he means what he says concerning the church. He's only coming back for that bride that he is looking for. Anything outside of that is not going to make it in. 
So we can't let religion, we can't let lust, we can't let desires of the world, we can't let money keep us from going to the cross, being made over in Christ, and being the bride that he's coming back for, the church without spot or blemish. So if anybody wants to um, pray, they can. If not, uh, I guess we'll give it to Sarah. Anybody? All right, Sarah. <laughs> Heavenly Father, I want to come to you tonight. <clears throat> and I want to thank you for another day that you've given to us. I want to thank you for all the things that you have done for us, Lord. All our needs that you have provided for us. How you've taken care of us in times, Lord, when we didn't even know it. How you've stayed your hand upon our life, Lord. Yes, Lord. Mm -hmm. I just want to thank you, Lord, because we are living in a generation... We're living in a time that is so ungrateful. Lord, and I'm praying that we will constantly live up, lift up the name of Jesus in everything that we do. That we would want to be that willing and living testimony, Lord. Yes, Lord. Everywhere that we are. That it burns within us, Lord. That the name of Jesus is power. That the name of Jesus is yes. holiness, is righteousness. Thank you, Jesus. The righteousness that we ourselves, Lord, cannot have without you. Because as your word says, our righteousness are as filthy rags. It is only by having you fully formed in us, Lord, and grown in us. That we come out of this carnal, soulish, selfish nature, Lord. Into the Holy Spirit. Into the kingdom of God. Into the inner court. And I'm praying, Lord... That you will help us to understand that the church is not a building. But it is the ecclesia. It is the called out ones, Lord. That we take the church everywhere we go. Not just the nights we meet, Lord. But in every encounter. Every opportunity that we have, Lord. Yes, Lord. Because we are to go out and to preach and teach your gospel to every creature. Your words are spirit and they are life. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let your light shine through us to the world. Let us have the real faith that you want us to have. And the belief, Lord, that we can have the gifts of the fruit of the spirit in our lives. That in the name of Jesus, the name above all names, that we can cast out demons in the name of Jesus. We can heal the sick, raise the dead, speak in new tongues. No matter what the world says, no matter what the enemy says, we can do those things in the name of Jesus, Lord. I, I, I thank you. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. All power in the name of Jesus. And I pray tonight, Lord, that the, that the enemy not take away our praise to you, Lord. That he'd not take away our worship to you, Lord. Because the enemy is trying to come against your body. He's trying to come against your people, Lord. To take those things away. And we cannot be deceived. We cannot be distracted. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In everything that we do. Let all men our thought and conversation. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let us be spill, filled with your Holy Spirit. Let us take on the full armor of God because that is our only defense against the enemy. Place your shield of protection around us. Guide and direct and lead us into your truths and into all truths. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.